Welcome to Help Out Comics Podcast. Um, this intro of the night's a little different than normal. Um, for those of you who are not aware, uh, as of the editing of this particular episode today, we learned that Chadwick Boseman um, has passed away today, um, succumbed to his four-year battle with cancer. Um, age 43, uh, you, you will know him best as the Black Panther, King Chitala. Fantastic man, dedicated actor, an amazing individual. Not just an Avenger, not just a king, but an awesome man. Our hearts and thoughts out to your family. Rest in peace, good sir. Ibumbe. Ibumbe. Ibumbe! 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 Welcome to Top Comics Podcast, people talking about comics, pop culture, and events. With us today, we have the Master of Disaster, Josh45. What's up? And CBS. What's up? Uh, no? Whatever, dude. Don't shake your head at me. Oh, I'm shaking my head? Yeah, I saw it totally. Oh, I don't know what you wanted me to say. I was like, I know you're good. I know you're CBS. I lied. Yeah. He's like, I'm when the, and CBS. And I'm like, yeah, that's you. Huh? I gave you that name. I mean, that's, yeah, that's, that's true. I'm the giver of names. I don't necessarily think that's a good title to have, though. The, the name giver? Yeah, no. It's pretty important in a lot of books and a lot of stories. Like, over the years, it's a very important person. If it was a job, that'd be fine. I've given very many, very powerful names. Okay. Yours being one of them. Junkyard Kid. I gave that name. That's true. That's a very powerful name. Yeah, that is good for him. Yeah, that's true. There you go. Okay, well, with that out of the way, today we're doing episode number 144. And uh, we're going to be going over Venom number 25 from Marvel Comics. Backtrack number one. This is from Oni Press. And we're going to be doing the free comic book day um, book from Vault Comics, Dark One. And then uh, Red Rooster number one from Allegiance Comics. And then uh, wrapping it up with the DC's Black Label Three Jokers number one. So those will be the books we go over. What do you know about the news, Josh? What's in the news? What's in the news? Today is Paul Rubin's birthday. He's 68 years old. Huey Herman's 68. I just say that because that is insanely old and I cannot believe he's that old. It's pretty crazy. I mean, 68. My dad, my dad's only 63. Okay. And it's the same that Pee Wee Herman is older than your dad. Yeah, it's insane to me. <laughs> but he, he doesn't look a day over 12, so good for him. John Boyega wants to play Static Shock in the DC Universe. All right. I mean, I'd be... I mean, of all the characters he could choose to play in the DC Universe, I think that's the, a weird one to me. Like, why not John Johns? John Jones, like, why not? Martian Manhunter. Martian he would, Manhunter? He'd be way yeah. cool as that. Why not? I don't know. He would be, he'd be a decent fit for Martian Manhunter. Someone needs to play Martian Manhunter. He's way more cool than Static Shock. Yeah, I, I'll give you that. 
or just the ripoff of Black Lightning. Well, they're not the same. Uh, but they are. No. Uh, but they are. No. Uh, but they are. <laughs> they're, not, they're not at all. But they are. No, they're totally not. Okay. American Manhunter, that would be a pretty good fit. I, I think he could, he could do that. That'd be pretty cool. And he's really angry at a bunch of, like, very, like, air, angry, stupid fans, Star Wars fans, that, like, talk trash to him a bunch of times and blah, blah, blah. So he doesn't ever want to do another Star Wars film, which I don't blame him, because those people seem like they were terrible people. People on the film or people fans of the film? Fans of the film that's, like, just talk mad trash online and stuff towards him about his character and blah, 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 blah. No, it's not necessarily his fault. I feel like they wasted... No, it's not his fault at all. It's, yeah. like, it's because those pe- those fans are bad people. Right. Again, yeah. in life, just embrace the fact that new things are coming out and be happy about it. Just sure. be happy that there's new things. Sure. If they're not the most amazing thing in the world to you, then make it yourself. Well, if you're going to be mad, be mad at the right people. Just don't just don't be mad. New stuff's coming out, man. Mm. We could have just got stuck with the, the prequels and been left with that. I mean, that's true. That, that is true. You know what I mean? Just like, just be cool. We got cool new stuff. Mandalorian's sure. rad. I thought the sequels were rad. You know, I don't like Solo, but at least it got made. You know, Rogue's, like, like uh, Rogue, Rogue One was, was awesome. awesome. I mean, there's yeah. just, there's new things. There's new things. It's new Star Wars. It's Let's just be happy that there's new Star Wars stuff. I mean, there's lots of new comics. That's awesome. Exactly. There's that, too, and that wouldn't happen either. Yeah. It's just neat that there's new things, and people just are just angry. But here's the problem. It's easy to say words when you're sitting behind a computer screen. That's true. That's true. Very true. Yeah. So, speaking of uh, computer screen, I did learn this on the interwebs today. Um, the massive rumor is that Starro, the original Justice League number one baddie, yeah. is going to be revealed as the villain in the Suicide Squad 2 film. Ooh. I don't know if it, I mean, it's just, it's pretty heavily rumored because I guess there's like glimpses of, possibly glimpses of him in the trailer, which the DC, like, uh, Thing, uh, the 24 symp- hour symposium thing happened yeah. this last week, and so there's a bunch of reveals and stuff like that. Um, yeah, we got a bunch of new trailers, um, a bunch of new pieces of trailers. We got to see most of the cat, well, I would say the full cast of the main characters of Suicide Squad, and that was pretty cool. Yeah, yeah. I don't know. I'm all, I'm all for I'm all for Peacekeeper, John Cena. Awesome. Yeah, cool. Like his, yeah. Okay. It's weird that you're so excited about such a like a, a F-rated just, character. I, I would never ever thought anyone would ever use that dish-headed helmet on anything. So I think that's awesome. It's just weird that you get excited about the weirdest things, and that's fine. I'm, I'm glad you're happy. I, do, I, I just I love to see you happy about something. Yeah, well, about you know. something besides Diamond Mountain Dew. You know, I do like Diamond Mountain Dew. Well, no, I. <laughs> I know. I'm just saying it's good to see you something happy besides besides that. Okay. It's like Christmas morning. You're like, wee! A two liter of Diet Mountain Dew. With a big red bow around it. That's not usually how that goes. But it's got a spout, so it's like in a helmet. You got the helmet thing, you know, like. <laughs> but it holds like two. Like a double-sided helmet, so I'd be Peacekeeper, but with Mountain Dew included. But two, two liters yeah, on the helmet. What I'm talking about. You got to have a strong neck for that, though. Oh, that's true. I think it... But I think your neck's strong enough. I think you got it. I mean, maybe. Or maybe it's got shoulder pad braces that, like, could you know what I mean? It's a different kind of costume, but okay. I mean. But hey, hey. hey. Lives, you know? You remember the original Batman costume, Keaton ba- Batman costume? He couldn't move his head. That's true. So it could be like that. That's true. But it still serves his purpose. I mean, that's yeah, also true. And this is the most funny thing to me. Um, early reviews are out for New Mutants, which comes out shortly. 
This Actually, weekend, yeah? Yeah, this weekend. So as you listen to this, I don't know, you'll probably get this out in a couple of days, but like, hmm. really right in the same time period. Probably. One of the first is Eye-Rolling Case of Deja Vu. That's a review? Yeah. Huh. If you've seen Nightmare on Elm Street in any comic book film ever, you won't be surprised, but if you've been living under a rock, it'll be kind of good. Well, that's not a good review. Those are the ones that I read and I was like, oh, eh, didn't see that coming or not. Huh. Oh, wait, I did. Interesting. I, I do like that my Man Elm Street is a... Uh, you like bears. We've had this conversation. That's the only reason you're excited to see this film. That's true. Because you like bears. I do like the demon bear. That's true. You know, bears are pretty neat and everything. I mean, generally speaking, sure. Ursa Major, one of my favorites. Yeah. It's a that transforms into a bear. Yeah. Yeah. Cool. Okay. Mm-hmm. Is, that, is that all you have for the New Mutants? That's mostly all I have about news. Oh, and then, like, the the Batman trailer came out. And, you know, I've got some texts from people. Sure. Some messages, some questions, and some answers, and this and that, some discussions. And here's my here's my thing on it. Meh. <laughs> I mean, I don't... My I'm not up in arms about Pattinson. I'm kind of what I, I think he can be a good actor. Like, you know, he did get a bad rap for being in the Twilight films. Whatever. Guy made bill- bazillions of dollars for being in, like, some teeny bopper films. Good for him. Like, whatever. Sure. You know, like, Zac Efron has done the same thing, been in, like, teeny bopper, like, blah, blah, blah. But he's also come out of that being a cool actor, doing other neat, cool things. So. Some comedy stuff is pretty good, yeah. This, I mean, he's other random stuff, too. Like, he was, uh, he also played, what's his name? Ted Bundy. Which was like, oh yeah, you know, I forgot about that. A good film. It was. A, I mean, he he portrayed a, a crazy serial killer. Which I'm not the biggest fan of serial killer films, but he did a good job. Sure. So when it comes to Pattinson, who, who I liked him in The Lighthouse, you know, he's, oh yeah, and, yeah, and he's done some other stuff. Like I, I'm not, I'm not like, oh, he's going to be a terrible Batman. I'm not worried about that. I just, it just looks meh. Sure. I mean, uh, I mean, the craziest thing I took away from the trailer is that when you you see Colin Farrell. That doesn't look like him at all. It's crazy. No, he, like, yeah, the prosthetics and, like, like that's cool. I'm glad he doesn't look like that. I'm yeah. glad that he picked a part that his pretty boy looks aren't going to, like, he just wants to act in a crazy role. That's cool. Love it. Yeah. I think that's awesome. I guess that, like, the riddle that the Riddler puts in that in that trailer, a bunch of people have already figured out the riddle or something. I don't <laughs> know. I Okay. I was like, all right, cool. I, I don't know. I You know, it's just one of those things, like, I'm I'm curious to see it. I can't imagine it'll be terrible because I like Reeves as a director. Whatever, you know, like it, it it can't be worse than like Clooney's Batman or Val Kilmer's Batman. It really can't. I mean, well, you pretty much scraping the barrel and that stuff. <laughs> really, I mean, yeah, they're they are rough. That's true. So I mean, and you know, it looks pretty. Sure. I, you know, I'm not a big fan of the bat suit so far. It looks, it looks just like a suit of armor. I don't, it's kind of a weird look. Yeah, it's supposed to be more year one so I can No, it's not that. supposed to be year one though. The costume's not supposed to be? No, because the new, the new Batman mo- show that's going to be on, uh, I think the Peacock streaming service or whatever, whichever service is picking up all the DC stuff. Well, there's who, or HBO Max and HBO then- Max, yeah. So okay. it, there's going to be a year one. Batman show that's going to premiere on um, HBO Max that's going to be a like a prequel like year one to this movie with so, Pattinson in it. I don't know. I don't think Pattinson will be in it. It'll be a younger person probably. Huh. That's what they're saying, but like this isn't a year one. Weird. Yeah. So that's the thing is it's that's what's weird to me. It's like supposed to be like 
in the like right in his right in his golden years, like right in the interesting right in his peak. Now, a lot of people have referred to it being a lot like Earth Zero, which Earth Zero is Jeff John's book, and it was kind of year one-y, but I mean, timeline-wise for him, the actual year one comic book isn't even about Bruce at all. I mean, he's in it, but it's about Jim Gordon. Yeah. So, like... Everything I've read is going to be very long Halloween-esque right. time period. I can see that, I guess. So, that's... Everything I've read is... that's that. This is kind of what the center's around. The cast, cast leans to that. I think we actually talked about that, and I just forgot about it. Yeah. So, I don't know. Again, Pattinson's a pretty guy, you know, and he's fit. And I think that Bruce Wayne's supposed to be, like, a very handsome guy and fit. So, that makes sense. Like, I like him as an actor. Um, they filmed a lot of it over in the UK. It's very dark and rainy, which is cool for like Gotham shots. Sure. Like if they're using real city shots for that kind of stuff, it's real neat. Like yeah. I think it'll look fantastic. Um, I just, my only thing I was like, I was very underwhelmed with the trailer. I was like, eh. And I think that we're so used to just like insanity, amazing, crazy, like next level stuff that sure. like where maybe we're just, maybe it's, it's DC has underwhelmed for so long. That me personally, I'm just like, man, we'll, we'll just have to see. Sure. It's kind of like the new Wonder Woman. Like, we'll just have to see. I was very underwhelmed with the Wonder Woman first movie. You know, I, I, I Maxwell Lord's going to be in it and Cheetah's going to be in it. It could be really cool. It could be a really, really good Wonder Woman film. But uh, we'll just have to see. I just, I've been, we've been, we've been let down before by DC. So we'll just have to see how it goes. Sure. And I like the first Wonder Woman movie just fine, but I feel what you're saying. And like the concepts behind the few pieces we've seen for it, I don't think the trailers look bad. I mean, they're interesting. So I guess we'll just have to see how it plays when it's a full scene rather than just a couple glimpses of things. I do like the newest Wonder Woman trailer because we get a handful of shots of Cheetah, and that's pretty cool. She looks cool for sure. So I like Kristen Wiig. I, I mean, as far as an actress is concerned, both those ladies are good. She, I think that you know she has that look where she could be that crazy right you know like michelle pfeiffer went had the had the crazy eyes kind of um as catwoman like you're, she just kind of like went you know well it's a similar setup i mean exactly Cat, her, sure. her catwoman was the bookworm that turned crazy right which is awesome mm-hmm. and i think i think kristen wig being that character that cuz i you know we talked about it maybe a little bit on this show but a lot on never been done podcast of like comedians do brilliant drama Sure. Because to make people laugh on a regular basis, you have to, like, it's, it's, it's a, it's a massive effort. So I think comedians do drama way better than just regular actors do drama. And I think that Kristen Wiig being just a psycho and then a villain is going to be really cool. Sure. Like I'm, I'm, I, if anything, I'm really excited to see her as Cheetah. And Maxwell Lord is cool. Like, I love that Justice League ink stuff that Justice League. Oh, yeah, yeah. The comic books, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Like, like, you know, like the, I mean, I know that's not that stuff. It'd be cool if maybe they did like some sort of teaser. Where they bring start bringing like some Booster Gold and Blue Beetle that kind of stuff in there. I mean, it'd be I, cool. If Guy Garner. Into it, yeah. I know. I I I don't think they will. No, probably. Not. But Maxwell Lord is part of all that stuff. Oh yeah. And so, and he wasn't a, he wasn't really a villain back then. So it's just like no, yeah. Where he started versus where he finished the, the two totally different things. Which, but it's cool that they're bringing him in. He's kind of a random. So I'm into it. I think. If anything, I'm I'm interested in the secondary characters on that. That'll be cool. So sure, we'll have to see how it goes. But there's a lot of like reveals. There's a new Batman game coming out called. Right. Uh, oh, I'm blanking on it right now. It's called like the the Dark Dark Knights. The Dark Knights. Mm-hmm. Um, my issue with that, like the game, the, the, it looks cool. It's like basically Batman's dead, and he's like, it's kind of the underlings. What, what to do after the fact? But it's like it's Nightwing, Batgirl, 
um, Red, like uh, Red Hood, and uh, some Damien. It's it looks yeah. it looks like Damien. My problem is I don't like when they leave Tim out of stuff because Tim is such a good Robin. Like when it comes to keen detection skills, like you know, Batman is like all these things together, right? And like you know, I don't know if it's Damien or not because the costume's weird. Like couple- it looks more da- to me, it looks more Damien than it looks Tim. Maybe. To me. Well, Tim's had that weird brown costume change, and he went through the whole Red Robin phase where he had a red with wings costume, so I don't know. But it doesn't match any of those. It's like a totally different Robin costume, so I'm not really sure. Yeah, definitely. It, to me, to, to me, it definitely looks more... More Damien? Yeah, to okay. me, anyway. Which, I mean, Damien deserves to be... Using something. He's a cool character. He deserves right. to be part of it, too, as part of the Bat family. And I know I know it's just a video game, but come on, man. Give Tim some love. Right. Well, he might be a, cut, a skin swap or something, but like, the way I understand it, all the characters are supposed to fight and play differently. So Tim and Jason would be similar style-wise, but they're still not the same. So I, I don't know. Maybe, maybe we'll get a skin swap or it'll be a DLC or something later, which would be really cool. It is kind of weird that he wasn't part of the group, though. I don't know. Ideas where the thing starts and they're like, oh, Batman's dead, everybody. Here we go. Automatically make me be like, well, I don't know about that. Even when it's like shows. Which a lot of shows do that, which I think is questionable. Yeah, I just... I Since since the New 52 and the change, they, they definitely... And, and this is like... We've, oh, yeah, we've, we've spoke about, about this before. so many times. Tim, yeah, he doesn't get used right. Tim just gets the shaft. Yeah, he's been doing pretty good in Young Justice, but even there. Finally. Like, but, I mean, but again, it's just yeah, like, it did, it did take several years to get Give him some love. Yeah. Like, the worst Robin of all time became a really cool character. Like, they can't make one of the best. Like, to me, arguably the best Robin of all time make him a really cool character. Well, now he's Drake, so I guess we'll see what that does. It's weird. Yeah, I know. Yeah. Um, well, in comic book news, uh, Venom 25, the book we're going to review today, is heading to a fourth print already. Uh, it's supposed to come out September 23rd, so if you like what you hear about the book, you can get a fourth printing. And lately, we've been seeing the chase for the multiple prints um, getting to be pretty high. Uh, that second print, uh, at this point, is more chasey than the first print, which is kind of, I mean, makes sense because they made less of it. But uh, yeah, a little crazy. So that's, I know, that's interesting. Um, Seven to Eternity from Image Comics is coming back. So number 14 is going to drop in November. That's uh, Rick, Remem- Rick Remender and uh, Jerome Pena. And uh, it's been on hiatus for a minute. Um, if, if you guys have never checked out Seven to Eternity, I think we did a review of it maybe, oh gosh, I don't know, probably 100 episodes ago. Fantastic. I mean, Remender's a great writer. Pena's a great artist. Uh, it's, a, it's a fantasy-based, I don't know, like a sci-fi fantasy-based book. It's great. Um, but I had to get ahead of it because apparently number 14 is going to be a new story arc so yeah that should be freaking awesome that's pretty much all I really had about that but yeah I say look for that uh, 7 to eternity that should be freaking awesome um, well that's it you have for news and uh, we can probably move into book yep just to let you know there will be spoilers alright so we're going to open up with uh, Venom number 25 from uh, Marvel Comics. This is, uh, it's written by Donnie Kate. Well, it's got two stories in it, actually. So we're going to go over the first story. The backup story, let's leave B, I guess. Well, I mean, it's, uh, it's not much to the backstory. No, it's pretty quick, but. I guess we can go over it too. That's fine. Uh, anyway, first one's important one, though. Right. Yeah. That's the, that was the main crust of that. 
Um, so yeah, there's been a lot of crazy things happening in, uh, Eddie Brock's life as a thing. And, uh, we're getting to more meat of it in this particular issue. 25 is a giant size issue, so that's why it's got the, the back, backup story. Cause the book itself is a, is a, is a pretty big book. Um, anyhow, it's written by Donnie Cates. And he's been writing, well, since issue one of this particular run. And, uh, penciling is Mark Bagley. Um, so when the book opens up, first thing we get, there's a shot of Eddie Brock, and he's sitting there, uh, kind of, kind of beat up, not like bloody beat up, but you can see scars on it, like marks, cuts on his face, and he's in the process of telling somebody a story, and he's he's basically outlining, like, well, let me get back to how this all started, um, and uh, we don't really know who he's talking to because they don't show that, and he talks about all the stuff that happened with his son and his son developing powers and learning his son is his son, not his brother, which is also crazy. Um, anyway, so as he's, as he's getting to it, he's like, well, let me, let me try to explain this a little more. And so we get some flashback scenes. So I have to go through a whole, like, handful of dialogue of him trying to explain the situation to whoever he's talking to. Cause he's basically looking for help is what he's looking for. We get a flash of him staring in the mirror and he, he's talking to him, talking to him about the, the, uh, coming impending doom, which is Null. And Null is the, uh, the Venom God. And uh, he's been messing with Eddie's head for a while. And at one point, um, Eddie and Miles both sort of fought him for a second. And then uh, there's a point where Eddie had a f- mental face-to-face with him. And this is, the, this is the demon that originally sent the first batch of uh, symbiotes to Earth to dominate it. And now he's been reawoken, mostly by carnage. And uh, he's on his way to Earth to uh, cause a ruckus. And then uh, Eddie... Makes mention to whoever he's talking to about uh, the Maker showing up, so the evil Reed Richards from Earth Two, and how he's been running around getting mixed up in this symbiote craziness, and uh, that's a piece I don't. We've seen him show up in a couple other books, but uh, I feel like this is the only book that really pushes him forward. Really, the the Maker, and we go over some more dialogues, more explanation of things. So this is a really good catch up book. Like if you haven't been reading Venom at all. It's been great. Donny Cates has introduced a whole batch of new characters, this whole new concept, and reused an old character name. Uh, the Null, the God Null, was mentioned like way back in, I want to say Journey of Mystery, like 130 or something. That number is not right because I don't remember what number it is. But it was never depicted, never used for more than that. So like, this whole storyline has been about that, and this book is really like a, I don't know, it's very ketchup-y. Because it gives you a whole bunch of like brief overview of all the stuff's been happening. All the pre, like carnage, carnage, uh, the absolute carnage, absolute carnage stuff. Yeah, yeah. So it goes over part of that event too, because the next section of the book is actually going over the absolute carnage stuff. So that's exactly where we are. And in this, we get to see the flash of when all of a sudden his son managed to use projectional powers that somehow bent the symbiotes to do whatever he wanted and shattered them apart. Which is also crazy because the kid up until this point was just normal, and. We were all led to believe, including Eddie, that uh, this was his younger brother, not his son, which is also something really crazy. And then we get a really cool scene of, uh, we cut from the flashbacks to a really cool scene of another, well, these are all flashbacks, I guess, of uh, Carnage fighting a giant T-Rex version of Venom, which is actually the third print's cover. So the third print cover is this image like redone with a, uh, Turn turn long ways in order to be a cover, which is awesome. 
Anyway, and so the whole time that, that this whole carnage battle has been going on, we find out what's really been happening is that Eddie's got carnage in his brain. Like, Carnage has managed to infiltrate the symbiote and Eddie, and at this point, like, why he's turned into a T-Rex and all this crazy battle that's going on has to do with Eddie being trapped inside himself mentally, really. Like, he's imprisoned in, like, a, I don't know, like a cage, like a floating cage in his own brain that uh, Carnage has basically got him trapped in while he's trying to destroy the Venom symbiote. So the two of them aren't, they're not functioning normally together like they normally do. Uh, anyway, Dylan, uh, Eddie's son, manages to manage, manage to get inside this whole mental cage that he's in, and he's basically trying to convince his dad to get out and help his dad escape. Well, eventually, Carnage, uh, while this is going on, while Carnage is fighting Venom, we wind up having Cletus Cassidy mentally appear and push Dylan into the cage also, and then we see this crazy, like, full transformation where Cletus basically melts away his own face to be Carnage. And uh, while this is happening, we get a shot of Dylan out in the real world, and we see that it's physically affecting him. It was like doing it remotely. Yeah, well, Dylan, yeah, because Dylan's not there. He's he's on the rooftop sitting there with Sleeper, the other uh, green and black symbiote, um, who's also fairly new. And while this is all happening, all of a sudden we start seeing, like, basically carnage smoking out of his body. It's crazy. Uh, which eventually leads him to falling off the roof, because uh, at this point, Dylan's fully immersed mentally in the mine cage and uh sleeper winds up grabbing him as he falls off the building and he's yelling at him that he needs to wake up he needs to get out of the he's got to get control he's got to sever the connection he's like no no i've got to save my dad well and while this is going on like carnage is basically just whooping up on venom forget the fact he's a t-rex he's chopping him up axe style it's pretty crazy and dylan and his dad are trying to come to terms to figure out a way to help him escape and while that's happening, we start seeing Carnage kind of get control of Dylan. And, like, Dylan's arm full-on turns Carnage-style, and the whole time, Sleeper's holding him, trying to keep him from falling off this edge, and all of a sudden, we start seeing Sleeper's hand burst in the flames. So the fire is coming from Dylan's body to basically get Sleeper to drop him. And it's not like Dylan's doing it, because he's not. But the response from the Carnage infiltration of Dylan is causing the fire. Anyway, partway through all that, all of a sudden Dylan's eyes go start glowing all crazy, crazy yellow. And uh, we see the transformed arm. Dylan grabs it. He's like, no. And he grabs it and he pulls it off and throws the symbiote chunk just, I don't know, out into the world. And it sort of explodes. And at that point, we see inside the mine cage, Cletus Cassidy's face burst into a crazy like light explosion also, which shreds the carnage symbiote outside, and we see Cleus's body all of a sudden exposed, like, the, the flesh part. And if you don't know, because you might not, um, at one point, Cleus was torn in half. Um, his bottom half was thrown to the sun, courtesy of the century. And uh, he's lost a hand, so he's not in, a, not in good shape. Um, so when he's not carnage, he's, yeah, he's as just a pretty, as a person, he's just pretty messed up. Well, Eddie lost his hand, though, too. Eddie did, too, but different different time frame. Right. Yeah, so both of them, at this point, unless they're in their symbiote form or using the symbiote, yeah, are missing appendages. Uh, very Star Wars. Uh, <laughs> right? So we, yeah. cut, we cut from the explosion, and we see a uh, sleeper standing over Dylan, and Dylan coming out of his, uh, like, weird... Trance. Trance thing, thing yeah. And we join Eddie and uh, Venom back where they're fighting uh, Carnage. Now, Carnage is gone. And the two, 
The reunited finally. Yeah, they wanted reuniting and basically connecting again now that Cletus is out of the system and been purged from, pretty much purged from Venom, I guess. The, uh, the two of them, uh, reconnect and, uh, Eddie, uh, grow, well, grows back his hand, which they make a pretty big scene of that, but it's not his real hand, it's a Venom. Yeah, Venom tells him, what? Venom tells him, is like, that's ah, too much, I can't, I can't repair that, but I can do this, and he basically is like, I'll give you a hand, I'll make a hand for you out of me. Right. So, like. So most, most things, they, we've seen him heal a lot of stuff as Venom, or Eddie get healed a lot by Venom. But yeah, apparently the whole appendage gone, they can't, uh, isn't this, she's not strong enough to do that, apparently. So that's kind of cool. I mean, it gives you a limit, right? Right. Um, but we cut back to Eddie in the chair again, and he, he's like, well, for whatever reason, you guys have seen something in me, and at this point, you're stuck with me, so I, hopefully this brings you full circle with me, because we're all gonna need to work together. I need to tell you all about Null, and we get this pan, in the next page is a pan where we see who he's been talking to this whole time. And it's, it's all the Avengers. I mean, all, it's a lot of the Avengers. I mean, Cap's there, Panther's there, Thor's there, Iron Man, She-Hulk, uh, Captain Marvel, a Ghost Rider. It's, uh, Robbie Ray's Ghost Rider. So it's like the current, the current members of the Avengers, which is what this cast is, uh, is who he's there talking to, and he's like, yeah, I'm gonna need your help. And so they all basically agree to try to help Eddie. But did, you, you missed this little spot that I thought was very odd. Huh. As Danvers being like, Ooh, Eddie, I like the beard. Like, so creep, like, so, like, okay. Yeah, it's a little weird. Like, she's just, like, into it. And I was just like, all right, she's into dirtbaggy guys with beards? Like, because he's a scumbag. Like, oh, yeah. You know, Eddie was never, like, an upstanding guy. No. And I was like, okay. You know, as, 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 (laughs) you know, I was like, all right, that was odd, but cool. And she hulks, like, really? She, she, like, kind of is like, Really, Carol? Like she kind of gives her the oh, the same with the same reaction to you, Mia. I was like, all right, <laughs> yeah, it's pretty funny, it, it, jovial. I I don't know why they picked Carol for that. I don't think the two of them are ever even cross paths ever. Not that I'm aware of, but Carol's supposed to have fought a bunch of stuff in space, so yeah, I guess maybe during the space venom. I don't remember her showing up in that book, but maybe she did. I don't know. There was there's also that whole time when he was on like when a uh, Flash. Had the Venom oh, that's true. thing, and he was in Guardians. Yeah, that was a lot of that led to Space Venom. Yeah, and like you know, like and then they go to like the symbiote planet and fix Venom because I guess Venom was basically like he's broken, yeah. not updated. Basically, he hadn't had a system update for a while, and they're like, "Oh yeah, this is why he's been crazy because he hasn't had a system update." And then he comes out and he's all normal, and then it's like that that whole thing just gets forgotten. It's just like not a thing anymore. And I was like, "Okay, oh, we move we move past it." <laughs> It was, but it was like uh, it was like an entire story arc of oh, yeah. Guardians of the Galaxy, and it's just it like was. they just like like them going to the planet Symbia and dealing with that and fixing it, and then they're you know it was like multiple issues. It wasn't just like a one off. Oh no, it was a whole story arc, right? And so like, and the fact that that's just not a thing is like super bizarre to me. Well, even the Space Venom series, it was a whole it was a whole series by itself. So yeah, and it was Flash, not Eddie. So maybe that's the main difference. Now we move back to Eddie. So the Flash stories just you know they happen, but okay. Right. Anyway, so they cut to the next page, and he's still talking to the Avengers, and uh, he tells them he starts to tell them about Null, about Null, and so we get all these crazy like it's a really wide spread panel, like a two two page thing, and we see like scenes of uh, the Maker all draped in I don't know, basically symbiote swirls, opening a portal, and very Stargate looking, I guess, and we see uh, like this destroyer cities and. Burning and 
just destroying everything like a giant man. So there's a nihilist at the top. Oh yeah. So Be, not, being overtaken. Being overtaken by a symbiote. Yeah. And then And then we see the Wraith, which is the introduction of the Wraith. The Wraith is a herald, I guess. I mean they don't call him a herald, but he's like there's basically a herald of Null. And Wraith looks like I don't know, he kinda looks like Batman with long hair and no mask. Or no I don't know what you'd even he looks cool. Because he has like a draping cloak like cloak, a Venom symbiote logo on him. He looks like darkness. Oh, he does kind of look... Yeah, okay, so like the darkness from Image, except with a Venom symbiote symbol on the front of him. And then uh, there's a big shot of Null behind him, just laughing with his crazy teeth and his white-out crazy eyes. And he's like, yeah, well, the Wraith is coming. And then we cut from that, the very last scenes, we basically see something emerging out of the uh, ocean. Um, Which... A carnage shark. a, A carnage shark. Which... So ridiculous. I mean, he can connect to anything, so I mean, it, it kind of makes sense. Well, yeah, he needs a he needs to connect to something, right? But so a, there's a lot of sharks tonight. That's true. A lot yeah. of sharks tonight. <laughs> that's funny. I mean, that's a theme. I mean, think about that <laughs> by mistake. Um, but yeah, the first half of the story it's it's pretty good, and I'd say if you, if you haven't read any of the previous Venom stuff and you want to get into Venom, this is a really good issue to do it because it covers a lot of ground. And the first story, yeah, it is flashbacky, but as a thing, being a giant size issue, it catches you up just enough, I guess. Yeah, like just if, enough to move forward. If you want to jump on now? Now this issue is the issue to do it, but like a lot happens before this, but oh, it, yeah. it catches you up just enough. You're like, okay, I get the basic idea of what's going on. You won't then you won't be like completely wrong. So it'll be this is a good jumping on point. So right, the uh, the backup story. So this one's uh, is. Is a little bit shorter, um, as far as a thing. Just a little quickie of like Venom being on the island, uh, an island. Well, for so the storyline before this one was called Venom Island. This story is like a precursor to that. So there's there's an island for a while that Venom is marooned on, trying to keep himself separate from everything in the world, so he wasn't, um, I guess, tearing everybody up and killing things. Uh, so this is a story that's it's basically a flashback story. So it's written by David David Michelini, and uh, the pencils are by Ron Lim. Uh, Jerome Lim has done a lot of he's done a lot of variant covers for Marvel over the last couple of years. There's a whole bunch of Ron Lim variants. Uh, but yeah, so the story opens up, and the first thing it tells us is that it's a flashback, and we see uh, well Venom, Eddie moving through the shadows. It's the image itself is very. I mean, it's just the outline of him. So he's grabbing stuff off his shelf, and he winds up pulling out this can of peaches. And he's like, "Oh, sweet peaches," because he's been looking for food in this. Like abandoned shack thing that's out there in the, in the, I don't know, the jungle, I guess. And as he's walking around, he's like, oh, it's so great to be away from everything. I don't have to worry about hurting anybody and take a break from the world. And man, I'm so glad that Spider-Man's dead. And like, as a thing, he basically transforms his, his, his outfit is formed to be like a Hawaiian t-shirt and a pair of shorts. So like beach, I don't know, like beach tourist type. Um, Anyway, while he's wandering through the woods, all of a sudden he's like, oh, I hear, he hears something, and he's like, great, somebody's on my island, and he basically transforms the suit into, like, a Tarzan suit, so it's like, I don't know, loincloth on top, and then the, well, no, sorry, loincloth on bottom, and the top half is, like, his Hawaiian t-shirt, it's pretty funny, and he swings off to the trees, you know, using the, uh, symbiote, the webs from the, from Venom, and what we wind up finding out on the other side of the island is that there's a few guys out there with these building crates onto the island. And they got one dude at gunpoint. 
And they had to yell at the guy, well, where's, where are we supposed to be? Where are we supposed to be going? Where's this place heading at? And, uh, in the process of him seeing them do this, he, he drops his peaches and follows them off to this cave. And of course, inside the cave, there's a bunch of contraband. And so it turns out that the ship that they've hijacked, um, they're basically robbing it and they've come to collect the rest of this contraband that's on the island. And so while they're shaking the dude down inside, uh, they basically wind up killing him. And Eddie's like, well, I can't let that go. And so he transforms into Venom and he comes after him. And so there's a shootout for a minute. And of course, well, Venom can take bullets pretty good. So these guys are screwed. Um, anyway, in, in the process of that, we wind up seeing one of the dudes pull out this other type weapon and shoots Venom in the back. And it actually hurts him. Well, it's like a psionic kind of well, It's the same gun. thing that he kills the guy with. It, it's like a very advanced weapon. It's like very powerful. It basically turns the guy, the guy that they do kill. Right. To dust, like it pretty much, it's pretty very, very strong. Right. And Venom's like, oh, that tickles, like, cause the bullets just kind of bounce off him. Absorb and absorb, that's better. Whatever, they just kind of just whatever. He can, like, redirect him and all kind of stuff, but, like, this one's like, oh, that tickled, cause it's a pretty powerful blast. Yeah, so now he's got the guy all kind of pinned up against the wall, and he's basically telling him he's gonna eat him, and, uh, the dude, who still has the gun in his hand, Venom uses his own hand to shoot at one of the crates that's full of explosives, and it blows up the mine. So it kills that dude. The other dudes die, too. So the only one that walks out is, of course, Venom. He's like, oh, it's good good that uh, good that my uh, island's free of people again. Now i got to find that can of peaches. And he just sort of swings off through the jungle. So, yeah, it's a real quick read. It's a, you know, It's Venom getting vengeance for... Gun runners being jerks. But, I mean, this is after he was sort of a good guy, too, so. Yeah, it's kind of weird. I don't know why that was on there, but it was a good story. Yeah. I mean, uh, it, was, it was quick. It was like a quickie. Sure. Just a flashback. But it's pretty neat. I mean, overall, book-wise, I mean, I give the book a, a, a four, a score-wise. Because the first half, like I said, is, like we both were saying, it's very, very catch-up-y. And as far as, like, a starting point... Yeah, it'd be real easy to pick up here and then move forward. Yeah, there's a bunch of stuff that happened before, like 24 issues, but this covers so many pieces and, like, lines out part of it in a way that... Super good jump on point, for yeah, sure. Yeah, for sure. Um, the writing the writing was good. I, I'm not the biggest Venom fan, so, like, to, for me to, like, um, be impressed, it's a lot. I mean, I'm not saying I'm anything special by any means, but, like, I'm, just, I'm not the biggest Venom fan. I'm, like, I think he's overplayed, but... Um, I was impressed by the issue. I was like, kind of cool. I, I liked the way that they did it. There was like talking to somebody the whole time, and you, I kind of had a feel from the start that he was talking to the Avengers. But like, um, it was cool that he's like, "Hey, I'm going to the big guns. Guns. This is a big deal. I need help." So I thought that was really cool. Um, you know, I get, I get three, uh, three seven five. Um, the art was decent. Yeah, the art's pretty the, good. The, the story's good. Um. It, you know, it was good all around. It, it was, it was, it was really, it was really, really good. Like, sure. I wasn't like, oh my gosh, but it's really good. Like, right. as far as tonight goes, there's a lot of good books that we're doing. Oh yeah. So, um, I'll go to three seven five. Cool. So right. the next book we're doing is by Oni Press. It's called Backtrack. It's written by Brian Joins and illustrated by Jake Elphick. This book is really rad. It's yeah, pretty cool. Right off the bat. So this book starts off with, um, the female main character, um, her name is Levy, and she's driving this car, and she's racing. And she looks to her left, and she's racing at somebody else. And there's two people in this car, and then all of a sudden something pulls 
one of the two people out of the car, and all of a sudden that person's gone, and she's like, holy... And then all of a sudden there's blood all over her windshield, and her eyes are wide open, and then it's like, it flashes to her just like passed out at a table at a bar. And the bartender's like, come on, Levy, you gotta go. Like, it's 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 morning, you gotta get out of here. And she's like, come on, just let me stay, I haven't even finished mine. And then she knocks over a bottle, breaks her bottle of booze, and then she has a flashback of a, a dead body of some sort. And she's like, oh, yeah, yeah, I gotta go. And then she's... Starts stumbling, stumbling out of the lucky pub, um, where she was hanging out, peeks in an alley and stumbles into bed and then looks at, um, actually this will play a massive role later on to me, noticeably, um, a picture of what looks to be her mom and dad, I would think, but a guy with like slick back hair and like a tuxedo kind of and a, and a v-neck t-shirt, um, and then it's her faster to the next day of her walking back into the bar. And all of a sudden, there's a guy with like red hair, like a red tuxedo. Kind of looks like the who's the guy from the X Men? Um, Arcade. Oh yeah, looks kind of like Arcade to me. And and she's he's like, hey, uh, you know, I heard you one of the best wheelmen wheelmen around. And she's like, I don't do that anymore. I don't know what you're talking about? And he's like, well, I heard about this uh this one time that you outraced the during rush hour this this bank robbery and uh. Um, in, in Midtown, and she's like, how do you know this? I did, nobody knows that I did that. And, uh, she's like, yeah, I'm, I'm not interested. I don't know. And she's like, well, I, I can tell you that I, all the things that are bad that, that have happened to you, that you're all these things you're regretting, I can change it all, but like, it's about a race. And she's like, whatever. Yeah, you're crazy. And then he sees like, check your text messages. And it's a video of what looks to be possibly like a significant other. And she's like, hey, I'm on this adventure in Asia, and I, and I wish you were here. Like, you know, we talked about being here for so long. And she's like, what in the heck? This isn't real. And it's like, the guy's obviously had her, an, an ex who's died. Right. And she loses her stuff and jumps across the table and tackles a guy. And he's just like, it's no joke. Like, like he, she's like, cause she's like, quit messing with me. Like, what are you, you're crazy. And, um, she's super upset because she's like, it's a video she's never seen. She's do this dead. It's one that hasn't existed yet. Yeah. Cause it's like the, it's current time. Right. Like if he was alive now and she's like, this is like, and she's obviously gone through something. Like they haven't touched on it, but something happened to this person who she loved a lot. Right. And, uh, she smacks this guy against the wall and he's like, here's the deal. There's a race coming up. Meet me here at this place tomorrow. If you're interested, if not, then no big deal. And, uh, you know, obviously when you read this book, it's, it's, he's very devil esque. Oh yeah. It definitely yeah. some sort of sinister. Demon of some sort. Um, and leaves her kind of just like watching the video again and like wondering what's going on. Um, and just like talk, this keeps reprinting in her head, talk soon, talk soon, talk soon. And she's like, please be real. And then it's like this, this devil guy told her to be at this airfield where this race, the prelims to this race are going to take place. And so. Like audition um, style, yeah. Next, next scene is like it's out in this desert area at this air, this this air base kind of thing, and uh, there's all these like people getting in these cars, and like some guy like being all like, "Hey, lady, what are you up to? Uh, what are you doing? Like, we're, it looks like we're in the same heat. Maybe we can keep it up after the race." And it's like, "Yeah, hard pass, jackass." It's like she she just doesn't yeah, doesn't really play in it. Them. She doesn't yeah. like anybody. She doesn't care. And, uh, she gets in her car and it's like three, two, one green and they just go and she crushes it. She gets first place and it's just like the first people, blah, blah, blah. And he, this guy, the, the devil guy walks up. He's like, Miss Levy, I, I expect great things from you. And she's like, I want to make sure that I'm here to feed you your teeth. You're lying to me. And he's just like, yeah, this is exactly what I wanted. And, uh, in two days, 
meet me at this place and um, you'll embark on an extraordinary journey. Um, use these next hours wisely. Talk to your loved ones and like basically get your affairs in order. Right. And so um, then it flashes to a weird like hotel somewhere and some guy's just like was like asking one another guy, did you qualify? He's like, yeah, I qualify. But there's like forget like I guess the devil guy's name is Quelix is what I kind of gathered that. Quilex, I think is what it is. Yeah, Quilex at Q-U-E-L-L-E-X. Yeah. And uh, it's like uh, the car, did you put the, and like, forget about him. It's like something, like, there's a discussion about the car, and like, did you get this thing done? And he's like, yeah, yeah. Like, and like, it's fine. And the outfit's in the trunk, and the guy's like, all right. And then shoots this guy in the chest who did qualify. And he's like, we're right. done. So in the race, there's a, the, there is multiple qualifying positions, and so there's a whole handful of them that actually Managed to qualify in the race, the previous race with her. And yeah. And this, this guy, this guy raced in some sort of like masked suit. Yeah. And the suit's in the trunk of this car. So, um, the guy in the shadows shoots and kills the guy who did qualify and then just moves on. Right. Like, he's like, like we're done here. Like, basically, we're. Yeah, he, he kills him. So, yeah. And so, and then we flash forward to the day of the race and you get Quellix, which I think that's him. I think, but yeah, I'm pretty sure it is. It, he's less red and less red hairish, but he's got the like it's like more of a purple streak in this shot. But it's, it's I think it's him. He's like racers, it's time to begin. And he's like they're gonna. They're, the whole point is from the race where they're at to the parking lot of Dodger Stadium. And they're like, yeah, that's only thirty miles away. Um, and he promised this to her this by who wins. And he's like, yeah, I understand your confusion, but don't worry, you'll be taking a long way around now. And it kind of shows everybody, and then this one person in a mask is this was part of these racers, along with Levy, and she's in this too. And it sends them on their way, and they're driving all, and all of a sudden there's some blue flashes, and all of a sudden she's like, "What the heck's going on?" They're in the jungle, and everybody's like, "What's going on? What's going on?" And all of a sudden, out of nowhere, a T Rex just comes out and just eats one of the dudes, and they're like, "Oh my gosh!" And like, so they all kind of just take off, and as she's driving away, she's like. God dang it, go on. Like, everybody's kind of freaking out. And this T-Rex is just tearing people up. Um, the motorcycle guy is like, like who's the mass is shooting off on crazy directions. And she's getting ready. She's like, oh, I, I, I got a drink. And she's like, no, dang, I'm not going to drink. And so she throws the bottle and, um, all of a sudden she notices that there's a map that she can kind of follow. She uses that and she gets to some sort of safe house. It's like a big pink globe looking place. And, uh, once she gets inside, they're like, oh, you made it. And it shows like the people that day who died and who haven't. And they're kind of in a safe place. It shows like pterodactyls on the outside trying to get in and things like that. And then there's this max dude kind of show. And like, they're all talking about like, Oh, these people like didn't make it. So three people died so far out of the, um, 13. So there's 13 people started only 10 or left. And she, she came in 10th to this day. But, um, uh, one of the people who comes in is like the masked rider and takes the helmet off and, they're like, yeah, what do you know about? He's like trying to give him, like, hey, now's, now he's going to, yeah, you guys understand this guy's like, you know, he's messing us all around. Like, he's going to bounce you a lot up and down the timeline, chipping away until whatever mangled piece of meat remaining pulls itself across the finish line. But hey, that's entertainment. And they're like, yeah, what do you know about that? And he like takes his helmet off and says, like, simple, because I've done it all before. And to me, it looks like from the beginning, if you really, like the picture of her, like her parents, it looks like her dad. I'm not sure if that's who it's supposed to be or not, but it is, it is very similar. Well, I mean, it's weird they show her parents and don't touch on it, but that right. he looks so similar to her dad. Like, very similar. Right. And so, 
that's the only reason why I say that is because I'm like, oh, I was like, they, they make the, this big shock reveal as in like, what the heck's going on? But like, but what we get from it is the dude that is trying to explain to him what's really happening it is the same dude to kill the other guy in the hotel room. Right. And, if, and it's very possible that that's who, who, who she's connected to from, from the photograph. Um, but I mean, here's, so here's, here's her dad in this page. Right. Okay. Mm-hmm. And then like, that's just the same dude with a mustache and older. Right. I mean, it looks super similar to me. And oh, I, yeah. I almost, you know, I got to wonder to me, I mean, as cool as this book is, like, to me, like, I had to do some research, like, go back and forth and reread it and stuff. Like, I was like, eh, I think that's her dad. And like, maybe he, cause maybe she's, she drives because he drove and, I mean, it's obviously going to be get delved into in the future issues. But, right. Um, very interesting book. Very cool. Like very sci-fi horror, um, race car, like cool car, like old school car shows, stuff like, like car shows or car movies like, uh, um, two lane blacktop and, uh, vanishing point and like, you know, those kinds of, I don't know those kinds of films. If, it, if you know, if you listen to this and you don't know those films or definitely go watch those films because they're unbelievable. Vanishing point is, Unreal, so was Tulane Black Cop. But those are the kind of like, these wheelmen, these, uh, or, you, uh, Baby Driver is a very good example of those kinds oh, yeah. of like car movies of like a, a wheelman who's just like, like those are like those just really intense car films. And like, this book has that, that all about it. I was like, I was very impressed. Very cool book. So yeah, it's super good. Good selection, dude. Like, <laughs> some days I'm like, I mean, I get it. Like, you just kind of got to pull books out. And, like, sometimes, like, oh, this is why, this is why. I'm like, but every once in a while, you pull a, to me, a gem. Like, we, I mean, I've read a million books over the years and stuff. And, like, sometimes one just hits me in, like, all the right places. And this one does it to me. It's a really cool idea. So, I'm very impressed with it. I mean, like I said, sci-fi mixed with race car driving. So, it's almost like a, I don't know, gosh, like a baby driver mixed with a, what was the movie they recently redid? Well, not recently. It's been a few years, but they did it with uh, Jason Statham and uh, oh gosh, Death, Death Race or Death De- Race, De- Death Race. Yeah, kind of like I think that. that's what it was. Not the one it was called. It had a yeah, yeah, that's for sure. Fast and the Furious. My buddy, what's that guy's name? Your buddy with all the teeth. Man, what? Tyrese. Tyrese. There you go. Yeah, Tyrese. Yes, I mean it's Death Race or whatever. But right. Um, it's like death race mixed with time travel mixed with like kind of, um, there's like a race car. Movie. It's very, it's yeah. to, to me, like you haven't seen it. I know. Cause it's a very, it's a very strange, um, 1970s film, but like my, it was one of my dad's really, really favorite movies. And I like my dad liked it so much. He's like, I haven't seen it in years and I can never find it anywhere. I look, I had to, two or- lane, two lane black, two lane black yeah, I had yeah. to order a copy of that film off the internet from England. And it, when I got it, it was a burned copy. Oh man. Yeah, it's like, it's that hard. Like, I don't know if it's that so hard to find still, but it's that hard to find. And it's about these two dudes who just go around racing and like this crazy for money. But also Vanishing Point, which is like, kind of t- starts actually in Colorado. Like, this right. guy has to race from Colorado to California in a certain amount of time, or this thing happens. And the, the radio DJ has given him like, pointers how to get telling him where the cops yeah. are in code the, the whole, whole time. section that was filmed out in the valley. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, right, right around here. But this, actually. this reminded me of those films and Baby Driver and yeah, and Death Race too. Like all, oh, yeah. like those, this, that, that, Death Race is a little bit more cheesy. Yeah, it's a different kind of thing. Cause they're prisoners and stuff like right. that. But, but yeah, that same kind of thing that just like fast car, like it, it's, man, it's neat. It's a cool book. Yeah. And oh, you know, I, I've always kind of like really liked what Oni does. 
Like, they put out a bunch of, they put out some stuff that's pretty questionable, but they put out some other stuff that's really awesome, too. The stuff I've, I've you know, I've always been, like, you know, Scooter Girl was on that, like, Blue Monday was on that. Like, I know that's all trying to close to major stuff, but, like, right. you know, like, they've do, they've always done some things I've been into, so. Yeah, they do Invader Zim and Rick and Morty. Yeah. And, oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, so. They also did a Six Gun, or no, yeah, Six Gun. With six Gun, Six Gun Gorilla, I think. No, hang on, did they put that out? I don't remember. If you don't know that one, look up Six Gun Gorilla. It's freaking awesome. <laughs> I can't remember if they put it out or not, though. I don't remember that. Um, yeah. Anyway, yeah, they put out some pretty good stuff. They, they do. Well, there's other stuff that's a little more... Ch- that's not my flavor, but whatever. That's normal. Uh, you guys score for that book there, Josh? You know, I don't give this one very... I don't I don't go over four and a half very often. I'll give it a 4.75. I thought the art in this was amazing. It was really good art to me. Oh, yeah. Even the covers. Um, I mean, the covers covers are always usually pretty good. Yeah, it's, it's, it's like... The cover's very, like, old-school movie poster. It's yeah, freaking which, awesome. which is neat. Like, or, you know, it's another good example was that I know you don't like with the Tarantino, the Death Proof. Oh, yeah. I can see that. I, I don't mind Death Proof. I just didn't like the two of them together because one's so much slower than the other one that it's questionable only around as a two as a right. double feature. If they would have done the double feature backwards with Death Proof first and then uh, Planet... What was that one called? Planet Terror. That they would have won it second, it would have been better, but they ran them Rodriguez first and then Tarantino second and... Tarantino's movie so, so slowed back down. Yeah, I guess like saying. wrong pacing. But Death Proof by itself, I think, oh, it's fine. It's yeah. fantastic, and especially the second half where they're like the t- the tricks are like oh yeah, the whole car race. Yeah, oh yeah. Um, but yeah, it just, it just has that really cool like hot rod car feel. Yeah, but I mean, I don't, I didn't recognize the artist or the writer from anything. No, no, not necessarily. But they're both awesome. Yeah, I mean, the art is fantastic. Like, and you don't, I mean, I know that like it's a first issue, so I mean. In in the in the big guns, a lot of times if they're starting a new book, they put they put some heavy hitters on there to like dry in, and they slowly take them off and put them on other stuff. But like, I think this is just a creator owned probably because it's if it's Oni Press, like they're probably creator owned. I would assume. Yeah, I'm not sure where that lands with them. I mean, they're not the same as Image, but there are some properties that are they do licensed stuff and they do non-licensed stuff. So I don't know. But yeah, as far as the team, the team on it's great. Yeah, fantastic. So I just uh, yeah, four seven five, very impressed. Cool. I, I like I like the color scheme they do too. It's got like this weird kind of like black and pink, like neon feel when it's like the current, tone, current to it, yeah. current time. And then like when it goes to like the alternate realities, it's it, I don't know they they just do a really good job with like transitioning and making you it, you're never lost. You know, like the mystery is like who's the masked guy, but like again, I really think it's her dad, but like it might not be. He does have a pretty sweet. Snidely whiplash mustache. It's kind of like a Razor X thing. You know? Yeah, it's his, pretty his crazy. Speed Racer's brother kind of situation. He's like, oh, it's your dad. Yeah. <laughs> I know. I yeah. I'm stoked. I'm stoked to read the second issue of this. So sweet. Um, yeah, I give it four. It's it's really good. And as far as like art and just style in general, yeah, it's it's a really it's a really cool book. And I think I don't I don't know if it's lying on a lot of people's lists, but it's it. Yeah, it really is pretty good. I could easily see this thing turn into some type of action movie or series. Oh, yeah. Just because sure. the style it's set up is really cool. As far as the mysteries, I mean, yeah, we get some reveals in the first book, but the real mystery is, is that the devil? Or is this some kind of weird game show? I mean, obviously people died, so, you know, there's that. Anyway, so maybe it's a devil's game show? <laughs> Freaking awesome. Anyway, well, yeah, backtrack. Freaking great. All right, so we'll move on to a uh, free comic book day book. Sure. I think that's the way I give it in order-wise. Okay, so Dark One is created by Brandon Sanderson, and he wrote, I guess, the short story. The comic itself, though, was written by uh, Jackson Lansing, 
and uh, Colin Kelly. Uh, art is by Nathan Gooden. And uh, when it first opens up, I mean, we've got this crazy, like, uh, I don't know, it's like a, it's, a, it's an eye that's bleeding. And it's like a shot of, it's like a logo shot. Uh, when you get to the first page, we're in the middle of this crazy battle, and we've got knights fighting and just crazy monsters and half the city burning, and there's a giant castle and uh, swords and axes and all kinds of just things everywhere. And it tells us that we're in uh, Miranda's, the black city, and that we're at current time. So it tells us this is now. During the middle of the battle, we wind up having these two folks overseeing the battle, like watching it. It's a cloaked figure that we don't see the face of. And uh, he's sitting next to this elf-looking dude or troll-looking dude, because he doesn't have a nose, and his ears are really big, but I don't know what kind of race he's supposed to be, um, or what he is, but he's humanoid. And uh, they're, he's dressed kind of like, I don't know, medieval timesy. And the two of them are talking about the battle and the, the overseeing of death and destruction. And uh, he, sa- he tells him, he says to him, how many drools, drool are dead? Which, D-R-U-L-L. So they must be drool. I guess I didn't realize that that's what they were till just now. That's bad on my part. Anyhow, so uh, as, he, as he tells me, he's like, well, once you make this sacrifice, everything will be better. And uh, the cloaked figure turns to him, and we see the cloaked figure's the face inside, and it's not really a face. It's like a black void with this uh, sort of a triangle-looking shield shape to it and uh, red bars that are part of it. So almost like the open faceplate of a like a, a knight's mask, if you were shining a light from the inside of it. And uh, he reaches out his hand, and his hand is also very jointed, almost like not real. Um armory, and uh, he, he, he tells him, don't worry, once you make the sacrifice, things are going to be better. And he grabs a hold of the dude's shoulder and neck and basically just crushes it, breaks his neck, and the whole time the inside of his face mask is glowing. Well, once he splatters his head all over the place, uh, he pulls back and he lifts his visor. So the front, the, the shape we were seeing is a knight's mask. It's hard to describe it when you're starting with it because it's supposed to be a mystery, and then once you reveal it, it seems simple, so that makes it hard to explain. <laughs> anyway, so his bloody hand, he reaches up and he lifts the front gauntlet of his mask, so like the front, uh, I don't know what you call that part. So on a knight's mask, the front piece? Visor. Is that all it's called? Mm-hmm. I thought a visor went on your head. No, a visor is like this yeah. part. Yeah, okay. It's like the mouth cover. Anyway, so we're called the visor. I'm sure there's another name. Maybe not. Anyway, he lifts that up, and we see inside that it, it it's a dude, like a regular dude. But his eyes are all glowing crazy red-yellow. So, like, demonish. And then we have a page pop-up that says Chapter 1. So the prelude is this battle happening with all these different monsters and dudes in armor. And then this sacrifice thing happens. Um... Anyhow, so we cut from there to uh, a dude sitting in a chair with a pencil with a cat behind him. Um, and he's in the process of asking questions of a, a guy named Paul, who's laying on a couch, like shrink style, and tells us that now we're on Earth in New York City, and this is three weeks ago. And we get a shot of uh, Paul laying in the back, laying on his back on a couch, talking to this doctor. And the whole time they're talking, the doctor's asking him questions about, you know, how he feels about being here and. Is he feeling any better? How are things going at home? And he's like, well, you know, I'm happy to make mom happy so she can tell her friends that I'm not crazy. It's cool that I got to move out on my on my own. I mean, that's my reward for her pretending like I'm okay. 
And, uh, you know, she sort of takes care of me, so living by myself is okay because I'm by myself and I can't hurt anybody. And he's like, uh, well, the doctor is like, well, it's, it's good that you realize that you don't want, you know, you don't want to hurt people. You worry about other people's feelings because it means you're not a sociopath. And, uh, he's like, did you think I was a sociopath? He's like, oh, no, because you can tell the difference between hurting people is wrong. Which it seems like a, like, I don't know, the explanation wise, it's kind of, it's kind of open ended, I guess. I don't know. That part is, was a little much shrinky wise. Anyhow, um, yeah, so he talks to him a little bit more and we wind up seeing this ghost looking blue shaped thing behind the doctor. And it's like, you should tell him, you should tell him what you're really thinking. Just tell him, just wait a little bit and tell him, tell him just a little bit about what you're really thinking. And he's, and he starts talking to the ghost entity, not to the doctor, but the doctor thinks he's talking to him. And so the doctor continues to ask him questions. And even though he's answering those questions, he's not actually talking to the doctor. He's talking to this ghost who we find out is this girl who has like, I don't know, kind of a flattened afro is what the way her, her hair looks like. And the doctor just keeps asking him questions about, um, well, how do you feel? Do you feel safe? How do you think, do people feel safe around you? He's like, as he answers the questions, he's not, the whole thing is, is a double conversation. And it's kind of awesome. Um, anyway, the ghost just continues to keep telling him, why don't you just tell him who you're talking to? And, uh, he's like, I can't do that. And the doctor's like, oh, we're, our time's about up, you know, so, uh, what you're telling me is good, you know, I get a sense that you understand that things in the world can be scary and it's okay to come home and, you know, not, not hurt yourself and not be, you know, not, not push yourself beyond yourself. And so, like, it's all very, like, when we get the psychopath line, it's pretty good. Cause he's like, yeah, it means you're not really crazy. You're not a total psychopath. And, uh, from there, they close the meeting and he leaves and he's outside in the street now walking. And of course, the ghost is following him and just talking him up. And he's clearly annoyed by her, but it doesn't seem like she's really, she seems like a fun ghost, you know? Cause like she's dancing around the cars, hanging off the street lights and just like very, I don't know, peppy. And it's not like she's telling him to do, like, to hurt himself or anything. It's because the way she behaves is like a little sister. Anyhow, so they, they get all the way home. He's like, you need to leave me alone. And she's like, oh, well, I, I, I guess we, I, I don't, he's, he, she's, she actually he's calls her. She's like, I'm kind of like your sister or something like, he says, she says something like that. He's like, I don't have a sister. I never did. And she's like, mm, then how do you expect the, then I have this adorable face. And so he like sticks out her tongue all crazy and makes this funny face at him. And, like, I don't know interlude-wise enough yet to know if, uh, how they're actually connected, because we don't get to that in this book. But he gets home, he opens up the door, and lets himself inside, and we see that where he he's living is basically, like, got a cot set up, a brick wall with some words on it, and then, uh, this whole board of, like, murder crimes, like, crime investigation stuff, so a bunch of pieces of paper with different pens in it, with string connected to each other, like investigation style. And he makes a couple more notes and he's uh like a checklist of things. And then eventually he gets a uh, phone call and uh the phone call is from mom and we find out that uh mom is a big fancy lawyer and she's busy making money and doing things and she as she's talking to him she asks him how the doctor appointment went and he's like well, how do you think it went? You can tell your friends I'm not crazy, it's fine. And she's like, well, do you need some money? He's like, no, no, I don't want any money. You know, it's fine. You don't need to take care of me. And uh they have this kind of long conversation about 
what she's doing, how she just won some big case, and she's in the process of going back to the office, and it's going to be a long night of work, blah, blah, blah. And uh, we cut from her entering the work, telling him that, you know, that she would talk to him later, and she now joins the people at work again. And a batch of them, we get their impressions when she first comes in the door, and they're like, oh, great, here she is. Like, a few of them are very not about it. And then we meet her assistant, and her assistant's like, oh, great, you got the best settlement you could out of the case. And she's like, oh, yeah, we got a lot of money for him. It's, we didn't have to go to trial at all. I told you we weren't going to go to trial. We never go to trial. And so, like, she's really good at her job, like, winning cases and doing whatever. Um, well, then, once we're in her office, she, she her assistant tells her, yeah, the, the boss is waiting for you in the office, and he's got a new case for you. And we get in there, and the dude, like, her boss, looks very jfk the way he's drawn, I think. That doesn't have anything to do with the story, just I think that's what it looks like. <laughs> that has nothing to do with the story. Um, anyway, so he tells her here her next case is dealing with a serial killer who's currently up for, uh, like, death row, and he, t- he tells her, well, this is a case that we don't want to win. And she's like, what do you mean not win? Like, you, you won in the, the death, it's the death penalty or jail for life is the way he tells her. And she's like, all the circ- all the information, all the stuff they have on is circumstantial. I can totally win this. And we get a barrage of pictures of murders over the years. So there's a 2006 murder, there's a 2007 murder, 8, 9, 10, 11, 12, and they're all different types. Like, one's a dude that got thrown down an elevator shaft. Uh, another one's a, someone who's fed the pigs. So there's all these variety of, like, a drowning. Um, yeah, there's all this variety of different murders. And then apparently the dude just decided to stop after 2020, stabbing dude to death. He turned himself into the cops. So he did all these different murders over the years. It looks like one a year from what we can tell. And he basically just turned himself in. Which is crazy. It doesn't make a lot of sense. But for whatever reason, her boss does not want her to win this case. And he tells her that that's the two choices. Life in prison. They, they want life in prison. They don't want, they don't want the death penalty. They want to be locked up forever. And she's like, okay, well, I guess we'll try to do whatever it is you need me to do. And so he leaves the office and he goes into his into his own office. And in his own office, it's very like huge and elegant, and it has this full suit of armor with a crazy shield. And he pours himself a drink and he's like, "Let let worlds unlock to me," is what he says. And he takes the glass and he throws it, what looks like at the window. And once it hits, we see a fracture, and then he walks through the fracture, which turns into a giant shining light, and. uh once he walks through, he spits out the other side, back in the other world. And he is now in the White Kingdom, whereas where we started before was different. And there's all these people waiting for him, and they dress him in these crazy robes and this crazy, like, I don't know, like almost a religious-type armor set for his head. And uh, they lead him in to see the king. And uh, that's kind of where the book closes. So he's living in both worlds. And I don't know if he's supposed to be the character in the Shroud or not. I don't think so. But the uh, the face we saw with the yellow eyes looks an awful lot like Paul. But we don't see a full face. We only see, like, the eye line. And so who knows with art. I mean, it could be somebody totally different. Who knows? Right. But as far as, like, art's concerned, the art's great. This is pretty decent. Especially for a free Hot Mug Day book. It was pretty decent. Yeah. Like, story-wise, it's an interesting story, an interesting setup. I mean, clearly this is a lead into the main story of the book. So, like, this is definitely a pitch book for something bigger. Right. Um, I don't know when it's supposed to come out, because I don't think we've even seen solicits for Dark One yet. Huh. So I'm not sure. 
And granted, this is a book that was supposed to come out way back in May, so it's possible that whatever this was supposed to lead to has been sidelined because of COVID and the whole world being crazy. But it's a pretty interesting like twist in the middle, and Vault puts out some they put out some other they put some other stuff that's kind of crazy. But they they have a whole slew of like vampire books, uh, ghost books, uh, supernatural sorcerer books, and uh, sci-fi books too. And they're a lot like Dark Horse, I guess, is what I would say, as far as style. But as far as like, I mean, as far as a free comic book day book, I mean, it was pretty interesting. And like the dialogue between him and the uh, the ghost and the uh, psychiatrist or shrink, which is the same thing, I guess, is really kind of great because the way that it double works as a double conversation is pretty cool. Um, but yeah, as far as like a score, I mean, I give it a three and a half. It's pretty interesting. I'm interested to see where else it, it goes or what else we get out of it. So I guess it's supposed to only come out as a graphic novel. So this is a preview uh, to the graphic novel. Which, that makes sense. So which was yeah. originally supposed to be out um, June 25th. Um, I don't know with what everything's going on, if that actually happened. Because if you haven't seen it, then it, I mean it's weird that it hasn't come up. But being it's um, an OGN, it's possible it might not have showed up on radar that way. Yeah, so it seems like. Um, oh wait, wait, update due to COVID nineteen related delays, um, not till September fifth. Oh, okay. Yeah, so it'll it'll be a graphic novel. It's going to come out in hardback first, right? Hardback graphic novel, um, September fifth, twenty twenty is when it's supposed to come out. So, um, if you're interested in that, uh, that's when to look for it. Check it out. So yeah. If you listen to the show and you shop in our store and you want it, um, I still have copies of the free comic day book at the store. So come on by and uh, if you want it, why not? Let me know. Yeah, no, and, and there's not a like on the page. It wasn't an order like order, and there wasn't like some sort of ordering uh, option. So I think it's going right. to have to be through you. Well, at some point they might. I mean, sales wise, I'm sure it's going to go to local sh- shops first because the kind of style book it right. is. So I, I think eventually it'll probably go to like some, like mass yeah. market uh, eventually. But probably. Like, so if you want it, like definitely, like it's going to have to go through you through Diamond or something like that. So right, you'll have to like, so which is cool. So yeah, man, it's good. I give it, you know, I give it like a. It's an interesting. Uh, it's an interesting um, premise, right? You know, like I give it like three and a half, three seven five, like right in there. Like it's really good. I'm curious to see where it goes, but like. Yeah, I mean, it was it was really good. Again, it was really good. Like, there's not as books as far as books go tonight. There's nothing that I'm just like, eh. right? There's no dud tonight. Like all <laughs> all of them are really really good. So sure, I'm good writing. Art's decent. Like it's just yeah, it's a. So what did you say your score was? Like, you know, between three and a half to three seven five, somewhere in there. Like it, it, it just like uh, sometimes I was like, I, I got a little like kind of. Lost-ish, and other times it's like, oh, this is good. Like, there, it just kind of it lost me for a minute, and then it pulled me back in. So, like, it, I did, I didn't stay like completely just into it the whole time, right? So, like, it kind of was like it was a little funky at times. It's got, it gets heavy-handed sense. during the during the yeah. the psychology thing or the yeah. psychiatrist thing, yeah. But it's it's supposed to be so. It's like any shrink. That's what I would say. Yeah, uh, I want to move on to the uh, Red Rooster. So, Red Rooster by Allegiance Comics, season one, episode one is what this book, this issue is called. Which right. Is weird. So, do you want to give some backstory on this? this well, this? so the deal is with the, this particular brand of books is something that you can't get through regular comic book stores because they're not offered in regular comic book stores. So, if you want to try to buy these things, any of the, I think there's five different books or four different books in their whole line. Uh, Red Rooster is just one of them. Um, they are books being sold through Walmart exclusively. Um, so, depending how your Walmart is set up, if they have a magazine section, 
at some point they should have like one of those in cap displays or a display in the middle that has these books in the book and novel section. So where you would go to look for like a, a kid's reading novel or something. Um, yeah, it, it depends on the Walmart. I mean, some of them have magazine sections in the front and in the back. So, I mean, good luck with that. I don't know how else to tell you to find it. Well, I mean, as far as this goes, you can order them online directly from the company. And I'm sure that they make more money directly from that way. I'd have to assume so, yeah. So if you're, if you're really, really into supporting independent comics or comics in general, I would suggest just getting on to their website, which is allegiancecomics.com. And ordering it that way. Sure. Um, I'm on their website now. It's pretty, actually pretty well designed. <laughs> nice. Website. But anyway, Red Rooster. The Art and the Story by Mitch Breitweiser. Mark Pellegrini is the writer. Mitch Breitweiser is also the creator. And he did the cover. So it's like, it's pretty much him and Mark Pellegrini. Sure. So, and this is season one, episode one is what they relate to it. They don't do like an issue number. That's well, how they do it. And yeah, they, issue one. So I, I have to assume this is kind of taking the path of what I mean. We saw it's just, it's just doing the TV show kind of thing. Kind yeah, of like, but. kind of like what they're doing with Green Lantern over Grant Grant Morrison's Green Lantern because currently we're in season two. Yeah, kind of. Yeah, so but, same and, idea. But this is all Fear of the Dawn is what it's called. This is story. Yep. Yeah. So it starts with um, a blonde haired guy like in the middle of the woods, like at the like a red lumberjack type shirt, like digging a hole, and he's like talking to somebody, and he's like burying stuff, and. Talking about it being too painful to see you go, and then he says goodbye, old friend, and he, you could see that he like had just buried somebody, and it was like he made it like a little cross, and it pans out, and it says, uh, "Here lies Rascal. He was a good boy." So obviously, it's a dog, right? Which right off the bat, man, like, yeah, I know, ugh. I know. The when you kill pets, it just crushes me, you know. And it's like obviously he probably died of old age. Ish, I would assume, like maybe as you well as you read this book, you kind of get like it, he was probably pretty old, right? So anyway, he's out in the middle of the woods, and he's like, "It's time to head home." So he starts walking back into town, and uh, out of the middle of the woods, and he like comes upon a train, and he sees some some kid, a little kid getting beat up by some like big buff like transient hobo guy, and he's just like the kid's like, "Give me back my money, bro," and he's just like. He's like, it's only 35 cents. You can keep it, buddy. I'm still going to beat you up. You need to go home, boy. And uh, the uh, lumberjack-looking guy, like, blonde-haired Steve Rogers in a in a lumberjack shirt, basically. Pretty much, yeah. Um, and the, this story is set back in time also. Yeah, it's, it's I mean, it's a yeah, train jump in 1930s-style-ish. Yeah. But, yeah, I mean, you don't really grasp that, but you, I mean, come upon it real quick. Right. But, like, um, he runs up in a... Grabs the guy and chucks him, knocks him out, and and uh, the guy was big. Oh yeah. And so the guy and, and the kid's like, um, he's like, you don't need, you know, the the hero kind of is like, you don't need to like pick a fight with these. The guy could have like, you know, used use a toothpick. He's like, I ain't no wimp. He's like, I know you're not. But he's like, you gotta be smart. Like you don't always have to pick the biggest biggest guy. And he's like, well, hey, hey, Mister, will you sign my bubblegum card? Because the kid recognizes him. Right. And uh. He's like, sure, and he signs it, and then he the guy runs and jumps on the train, and the kid, and he's like, now get back to your parents. And the kid's like, okay. And then, like, you know, the guy runs and jumps on the train and catches the train, and uh, some guy helps him up there. And the kid looks at the card and he's like, RR for Calvin, which is the kid's name, which is like, you know, Red Rooster. Right. So uh, he gets on the train, and he's heading back in, and uh, then it flashes back to an old-time adventure, and uh, 
Red Rooster's riding his motorcycle with a sidecar, and his dog's in the middle, and there's a, there's a guy, his sidekick called Strong Boys riding in the sidecar, like, driving the motorcycle from the sidecar while he, <laughs> like, while he's got a lasso riding the motorcycle, like, trying to, trying to lasso this guy on a motorcycle named Motormouth, and the guy's got, like, a metal jaw, and he's, like, riding a, like, riding a motorcycle, and he's got, like, very Mad Maxy looking. And, uh, oh yeah, well, it looks yeah, it looks crazy. And Strong Boy is just like, hey man, like give give me a shot. Maybe you should be driving. I'll figure it out. And he's like, just watch and learn. Let's take some finesse. It's not muscles doesn't always solve the problem. And he lassos the guy in the arm and rips him off his motorcycle and punches him in the face and breaks his metal jaw. <laughs> and uh, they've, then they you know next scene is they them Dateline September fifteenth nineteen thirty. So this is old old school, right? And uh, they put the guy in. The, the police wagon, but then things start turning into black and gray. And, um, as it pans out, there's some friends like walking out of the theater and like, Oh, Red Rooster, he's, he's dumb. He's no cool. He's like, no way, man. He's awesome. Do you see how he took down Motormouth? I like these three friends talking about him. Yeah, his three kids. And so the, the whole adventure we were watching was, was on the, was on the screen. Yeah. Kind of awesome. <laughs> and then, and then it like these guys walk down the street and then, you know, you see Red Rooster looking out the window watching these kids talk and it's like, places everybody and it's like they're putting red rooster in front of a some kapow soda or something like that he's like a soda spokesman now yeah and they're like you know it's him and his dog and like some some woman and uh all of a sudden the wonder woman-esque character walks into like hey i need to talk to you like there's some all these people have been broken out of jail and we'll probably need your help He's like, all of them? He's like, yeah, this guy, this guy, this guy, all from them. And they're all heading the same place. He's like, oh, yeah, big town? Like, big town, which is, like, obviously some big, major place. And so they're like, all right. And that guy's like, what are you doing? You can't run out of me. He's like, yeah, whatever, and pushes the guy out of the way. And they, him and the dog, which is the dog from the beginning, which right. is, you know, whatever, but run out. And uh, they're like, well, get on it. And they and they go to they go to get Strong Boy, and Strong Boy's like, give me a beer. It's like him, It's like him at, like, some boardwalk somewhere, and the guy's like, "We don't, we can't do beer prohibition. Everything's like, just give me a beer." I thought and he's like, "I thought you were supposed to be a good guy." And like, Redder's like, "Hey man, don't, don't, don't punch people. That's not cool." Like, like what? You, you sissy down. You don't do the dirty work anymore. He's like, "Well, I'm ready to do some dirty work." He's like, "Oh yeah, okay." Well, yeah, he's like, "Who are you? Who you're here supporting the cola? You getting your cola paychecks? Not all of us get cola paychecks." Like, he's shaking down the vendor. Like, it's a street vendor, dude. He wants a beer, though. He yeah. wants an actual beer. Oh, yeah. He's like an alcoholic. Yeah, yeah, for sure. But then he's just like, he's like, you want a gig? He's like, you ready for homecoming? He's like, yeah, I'm ready. So then it, like, it flashes to, like, these um, six people who were, were broke out of prison. It's like Doris Bernard, alias the Jackal Rabbit, and it's a female. Um, Reginald Thorndike, the 40 Man, Sibelian Slauson, Vermin Eater, um... An unknown name, Phantom Footsteps, um, McKenzie, Sigmund McKenzie, Slug Mug, and then, uh, Nigel Glycerin, Fire for Hire. And then some guy, some bald headed, like Lex Luthor looking guy is just like, they're on a train traveling somewhere and just like, cheers to this because we're going to take down this guy. And they're like, yeah, we're going to kill him. He's like, well, we're going to like completely destroy everything. His, his history, his name, his reputation, everything. We're just going to, we're going to completely deconstruct him because I don't want, I don't want his, Heroness bleeding into other people. He's like, I'm tired of just his, what he, I don't, the courage that he, that he incites in, in other people just for him existing. And they're like, oh wow. And then as he's talking and telling everybody this, like, 
a spider's crawling on his head, and everybody's like, oh, there's a, there's a thing on his leg. And then he just keeps talking, and all of a sudden there's roaches on his back, and they're like, oh, there's a thing in there. like, let's just cheers. And very creepy. Yeah. Oh, yeah. All these bugs are crawling all over him by the end of the conversation. It's yeah. crazy. Like roaches up his back, a spider. It's like very weird. And then it like flashes to they're in Big Town and they they land like the Wonder Woman esque characters plane, and the mayor the, the mayor's they they were supposed to be like landing in secret, but the mayor made a big deal out of it, you know. And, He's got the press there and everything, yeah. And then like the Lex Luthor looking guy is like right on time, and uh, you know, Strong Boy and him and the dog take off on the motorcycle like to go figure some stuff out, and uh, watch why, why the why the female works on her plane. And the next scene is like all the bad guys in this thing. He's like, let's make this a homecoming. The rooster will never forget. So like they're up to something like carrying bombs and all sorts of stuff. So, um, pretty cool story. Pretty interesting. Like the art's decent. It's a little sketchy to me. Like the way it's drawn. Yeah. It's very, it's a little sketchy. They could have cleaned it up a bit. You know, like I give it a three, seven, five. Um, the art, the art to me is the weakest part. It's not super bad, but it's a little weak, but. Um, the story's really cool. So, I really like, for what it is, I like it. Like, I'm bummed out that it's like, a, that Walmart's kind of doing this, their own coming but company thing. Kind of lame to me. Very odd. But, whatever. But it's, it's a neat story. Yeah. As far as writing, yeah, the writing's really good. Um, it, it's a, I don't, I, I actually like the art kind of a lot. And I, I don't know if it's because it's, it's an old-timey story. And so, for me... I feel like the arts kind of fits the story. I mean, it is pretty sketchy, but I also like, I mean, I don't know. I, I guess I have a wide palette for s- different styles of nonsense, but I, I actually like the way this book like, like, looks a lot. And yeah, I mean, I'm pretty disappointed that it's not something you get through a regular comic book store. I mean, because that's how books are supposed to work. But as a thing, I'm, I'm real glad that I found a copy, you know? Yeah. Because I, I like it a lot. I'm pretty interested to get number two just to see. I mean, yeah, the story's a little simple. Okay. I mean, it's a classic adventure story, but it was fun to read. And, like, it was, it was, it was really fun to read the book. You know? I, yeah, that's all it was. Yeah, really I mean, fun. It's, it's a cool old school, just like, yeah. s- superhero story, like, with, with, a, with a different chain. Like, I liked it. It was neat. Yeah. So. Um, yeah. So I, did I give a score already? I'm, I don't know if I did no, or not. I don't think you did. I'm going to give it one now. If I did it before, then just erase the original meaning, everybody. If you keep a scorecard at home, I don't know who does, but if somebody does, maybe Rob. I don't know if anybody keeps one at home. Um, yeah, I give it a, a, a three seven five since we're doing seven fives today. I always kind of do that because sometimes, like, sometimes it's a little better than a, a half, but a little bit less than a full. Sure. So it's like, eh. I mean, courtesies give tacos occasionally. I mean, it's, 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 it's passing. No, it's good, man. It's definitely a passing I mean, book. You know, better, better than passing. Like as far yeah, as like it, scores, it's a yeah. solid story, man. The story is really cool for like, sure. Um, I like how they flat. You know, it's it, it, it's take the beginning. of The story takes place before like something happened to him. And he got he got pushed into the woods, and he's like, ah, I'm coming out of retirement. I'm going to come take take care of some business. So right. it's going to come back to that, which is really neat. You know, I'm bummed that his poor dog. You know, basically, right. basically, I mean, it's like. Superman's crypto, like right, or you know, Batman. What, Ace is it? Ace. Batman's like, mm-hmm. like, like, it's like, come on, man, right. you can't put an animal, and then it's like, <laughs> yeah, it doesn't make it make it a little rough at the beginning. You know, actually, there's like a reader wise. Th- this is kind of a, a little bit off topic, but not really. But like, there's a really really cool issue of Superman some year, some years back at that where like Mongol comes to the farm, to like kind of like he figures out who Superman is and like wants to take Mom and Pa Ken out. 
and I think maybe Connor was living at the time or something, but Crypto was the only one there, and Crypto just does what dogs do and just goes super savage on Mongol and just tears him up. Right. And it's just a super rad issue, just like, yeah, like Crypto's kind of like a comedic kind of joke at one point, but like at this point it shows that like he's an actual dog and he's doing what he's made to do is protect his people and he like protected Ma and Pa Kent and it was just like he just messes Mongol up. It was one of my one of the coolest issues I always saw. I was just it was just neat. You know what sure. I mean? It was just yeah, really yeah. cool. So I don't I, I I mean I could probably figure it out what issue it was, but like uh like if you're really interested you could just like Google crypto protects mom pocket kind of thing, whatever it'd probably come up but fights Mongol, yeah. I don't know. I just I was just thought it was right because he just he's no joke. But oh yeah, no, hundred percent. He's Superman in dog form, he just doesn't care. Ross would fully agree with you. It's one of Ross's favorites actually. hundred <laughs> percent. I'm not even kidding. No, I know. Francis Man he's a Francis Manable um drawing crypto. It's awesome. Him and me have had this conversation several times, so <laughs> Yeah, good good look. Um so, uh, so his final three, book is uh three jokers pretty intense i did yeah it, it, it's a uh, it's been a long time coming it's so, like setup wise like the setup for this st- story happened back even during new 52 actually so justice league there's a storyline that was called dark side war and i want to say it goes between issues 42 to 49 i think or 50 maybe um but in dark side war during that, we had a point where Batman wound up getting himself into the Mobius chair. And the Mobius chair, before he was pulled out of it, because it was killing him, he asked it who the Joker was. Like, the real identity of the Joker. And the Mobius chair told him that there was three. And that was the end answer, and then they flew back off the space. Well, we haven't touched that since then. So, like, five years later, we're finally getting a, a answer to that question, I guess. Um, this is going to be a three-part miniseries. Uh, it's under the Black Label moniker, so I don't know. Most of the Black Label stuff is not necessarily continuity, so I'm not really sure where this is, is really supposed to land. Because of being Black Label, begs the question. So I guess we'll see, maybe, by the end of it, like whether it leaks another stuff or not. Um, so that's kind of weird, because it definitely started in continuity during 52. So, I mean, there's that. Uh, anyhow, um, so this is issue one. It's, uh, written by Jeff Johns, fantastic writer. Uh, drawn by Jason Fabok, also a fantastic illustrator. Uh, if you, if you guys read Doomsday Clock, these are the same guys that did Doomsday Clock. So, that's what you're in for art-wise if you've got any of those books. It's a lot of visual storytelling in this one. So when it first opens up, we've got a shot of, uh, a W. And we pull back to see that it's, uh, Thomas Wayne's headstone. And, uh... About that time, once you realize what it is, we see the Batmobile crash into it, uh, knocking it down and then uh, pulling away. And then we see Batman out of the car, holding his side, hobbling himself to the house. So he's jacked up pretty good. And then we get some we get some cool transitions where it goes from outside to inside using like a bat pattern dissolving. And we see we're inside the Bat Cave, so we see a shot of the uh, the, the side of the coin and. Robin suit, Batgirl suit, an older Batman suit. We see the the museum, I guess is what you would call it. Riddler and... Oh, yeah, we got one, like the Joker fish, the Joker gun, Riddler costume, Two the Two-Face costume. So it's it's Batman's memorial for all these old costumes and everything that he's done in life. Because even in the background, there's a Catwoman in the purple dress costume. And uh, as he's being helped down the stairs by Alfred, we see the card, the giant Joker card, and the dinosaur, and... We move forward a little more, and we see the belt's been taken off him, and he's got the cowl on the ground, and Alfred's in there getting ready to do surgery. 
Um, he cuts open the bat, like his, his suit, using this giant pair of shears, which I kind of wondered about, actually, and this is not on topic whatsoever. Well, I guess it kind of is. So when Albert does all this surgery on him, and he's cutting off the bat costume, it's not a matter of cost, it's a matter of those scissors cut through it? Well, I mean, like tin snips can cut through, like, metal uh, and stuff, you okay. know? Okay. I mean, like, yeah, I'm, yeah. it doesn't... Okay. If it's Kevlar, like, it, it was probably Kevlar-based, you know, it's going to oh, be, yeah, like... it's supposed to be, yeah. Like... Anything like that'll cut through. Like, it's kind of, if you think about it, like, if you hold a piece of paper up and you try to put, punch your fingers through it, forward won't do anything but tearing it down. Oh, okay. Like, does, does that make sense? Like, yeah, Kev- yeah. Kevlar kind of works that Kevlar way. Kevlar material so. cuttable, but not. So he yeah. probably has, because they have to be able to form and cut and mold that to an extent. So he's probably got the, the right tools to cut. Sure. Well, I mean, it makes sense considering that Batman would have the right tools to do whatever to it. But in my head, when I first saw the scissors cutting, I'm just like, <laughs> weird. Yeah, but that, not, makes, it may, that makes sense. It's not just a pair of scissors that cut scotch tape. No, like, well, they're they're giant, like... No, they're definitely heavy-duty scissors. Anyway, so, stupid. I, I laughed for a second because I was like, yeah, <laughs> stupid. Anyway, um... Uh, so, and Alfred, Alfred's talking to Batman. He's like, what was it this time? And we see a flashback for two seconds, and it's the penguin stabbing him with an umbrella, and then we flash back to the current scene, and Batman's like, ugh, umbrella... And Alfred's like, well, it's going to leave a scar, not that you'd notice. And we see his back, and it's just wrecked. Well, his whole body. Yeah. It goes it, everywhere. It does like a flashback between like multiple. Multiple attacks, yeah. What, what all the scars come from, like his back and his side and his shoulder and his other shoulder and his other part of his back and his. This burn mark everywhere. on him from, yeah. Burn mark from the Joker's acid at one point. like Yeah, yeah. So we get like a shot getting of Getting bit by Killer Croc. Killer Croc. Yeah. Bane with the back breaking thing. The Catwoman, when she scarred him up on one point. So, like, it's just a, a myriad of where his wounds have come from. So, we get we get all of them. We, I mean, Scarecrow's in there for a second. Uh, like you said, Kill Croc's in there for a second. Of course, the Joker, a couple times, actually. And then we pull back, and we've got Bruce being worked on by uh, Alfred, and we just see the Joker's laugh in the background. And he zooms in on his eyes, and he has a flashback to the al- to the alley when he was a kid. And he's walking out, he says, the best film ever made. And his dad, Thomas, is like, I don't know if I say the best film ever made. And his mom's like, oh, but I really like The Man in the Mask. He's like, that's Zorro, Mom. So they're talking about the movie and how much he liked it. And of course, that leads to the alley. And if you're a Batman fan, you know what happens in the alley. Um, you know, Joe Chill and bullets and sadness. Um, so we cut back from that to Bruce in modern time. We get this cool scene of like his eye crying as a kid. To his eye, super pissed as an adult. It's freaking awesome. Anyway, we go from there to Batman being led over... Well, he's walking with Alfred. He's not being led. He's walking with Alfred. Uh, there's more dialogue about what's happening in the world, and we want to see that there's been an, another sighting of the Joker, and it tells us where the Joker's attack was at. And so basically, Bruce goes and reaches and grabs the cowl to put it back on and go back out. And we cut directly from there to a radio being turned on, and we see that it's Barbara at a gym running on a treadmill. And it's kind of like, I don't know, it, I don't, there's a word for what it is, but while she's running on the treadmill, she's watching the TV, and the TV's doing a commercial about restless leg syndrome. Like, sometimes you have restless leg syndrome, here's a pill you can take for it. And she's just running, and the treadmill is set to super, super high. And, uh... Of course, the late commercial pans, it pans out to where we get to the end. It was like, if you take this, it might cause, and it lists a myriad of things that are, if you've ever seen an infomercial at the end of it, when they're like, oh, it may cause gambling and, uh, 
I don't know, alcoholism and your eyes to bleed or whatever, you know? Kind of funny. And then it cuts from there to the news. And the news is talking about another sighting of the Joker and something that's happening. And she decides she gets off the treadmill and takes off. And we see that she ran the treadmill until it was broken. And a few of the guys in the gym are like, ah, she broke another one? And you just see a thing smoking. So she's running it pretty hard. Which is, I mean, it's all about... Yeah, the, she burns it out. Yeah, it's awesome. And, the, and, the, and we're just like, the guy's like, oh, she broke another one. Like, like she does that out. And like she it seems to so, be a regular thing. So kind of like, it also goes back to like, she, as she's running, she's envisioning her getting shot in the back. Right. By the Joker, too, which is like, it's weird with continuity because she's got her legs back. Well, she has her legs back because of New 52. Which is what I know, but she remembers being paralyzed, though. That still happened. All that happened. New 52, when it reset, Barbara had a miracle and could walk again. Yeah, but where's the miracle come from? That's, that's the weird thing. Like, that's oh, just a miracle happened. She's like, oh, she's cured. I will give you. Again, I know. It's it's weak writing for that part. Not the writer's fault, but decision by DC. So, as a thing, I mean, it is... It is a weird thing. But they could have them. used a Lazarus pit. They could have oh, yeah. done so many things, oh, and yeah. they didn't do any of it. It's just no. like, again, why isn't Tim more represented in a lot of stuff? <sighs> you know, it, that I know, Tim, I know, Tim's, I know. Tim's never had to deal with the Joker the same way. No, but just in general. Yeah, no, I, I you know. What I mean, it's okay. just like there's yeah. where Cassandra Cain is so was so amazing before New Fifty Two, and she's just like. She's, well, she's back to being spoilers, so at least she's around again. No, Cassandra. Originally, Kane. oh, Cassandra. Sorry, not Stephanie. Cassandra's. Well, she's she's back around again. She has a new moniker. Ish. I mean, but she was like the next best like martial artist in the world compared to Batman at one point. Sure. Like her her first language was martial arts. Like her. Oh yeah. Kane trained her to be this amazing like. He didn't yeah. didn't speak to her. He only taught her martial arts. So her her bo- people's body movements were her language. So that's why she was so she could like. That's why she was so amazing, yeah. Yeah. 100%. So, again. Also never had problems with the Joker, really. I know, I know, I know this I know this, this is a Joker book. I'm deflecting a little bit, but like some really cool back characters have just been really, after the New 52, have d- got dumbed down to a lamer level. Sure. And they were super rad before. And it, uh, I mean, I love, I like Barbara, but as Oracle, she was unbelievable. Oh, yeah. And it's just like, I, I think that, I don't know. Like, I think there's some really cool characters in the Bat universe that they dumbed down for no reason. Like, they didn't need to do that. Like, they just made them weaker for absolutely no reason. They were just kind of like fodder for like, they fixed other things, but the other people had to just be like, well, okay. Yeah. I'll give you their pieces in there that, that none of us are really happy with for that part. The miracle is also one that's very questionable. Not Gail Simone's fault. Cause Gail was given that to work with. And that's what she Cause Gail called. always wrote Birds of Prey amazing for years. Oh, yeah. 100%. And she's like, oh, so she's got her legs fixed now? Okay. Like, yeah. how? I know. No no answer. Blame, blame Dr. Manhattan. That's the yeah, answer. Yeah, okay. Blame Dr. Manhattan. So the that's also what lends this book being a continuity, even though it's black label. I think it's only black labels so that we can be more mature style-wise, which will be the first one of the black labels that actually lands in continuity, because the rest of them don't. So I would give that moniker to this book till I see differently. But yeah, so we join Barbara in the shower, and of course we get the flashbacks of the Joker and her um, holding the wound that she still has on her stomach from being shot. We cut directly from there to Jason Todd whooping up on a, a slew of dudes. I mean, just pounding, pummeling them, man. Like, shots to the mouth, shots to the face, shots to the chin, and we get blood everywhere. Like, he's he's whooping them. 
And in the process of that, like, uh, at one point, he, he just continues to ask him, where's the Joker? What is the Joker doing? And then we get this kind of crazy flashback for a second. One of them knocks his helmet off, and we get this crazy flashback of him getting hit by the Joker with the crowbar when he was a kid. And uh, that leads, of course, to the one guy that, without the helmet on, a dude gets on top of him and is like, oh, let's mess up his face. And so they kind of get the upper hand for like two seconds. And then he turns it around on the back of him, causes one of them to shoot his friend, and then breaks that dude's arm by flipping over him and shattering his arm on his shoulder. Like, it breaks crazy. It's it's kind of gross, but awesome. And uh, then he punches... That's what he's the, known for, though. That's true. He's very brutal. He punches the dude out, and he's like, I figured you, you guys wouldn't know where the Joker was. I just wanted to practice. So he's there shaking down dudes he didn't even think had answers to the question that he had just to do it. Because he's Jason Todd, and he's hardcore. Awesome. Anyhow, so we cut from there to the... Uh, what looks to be the Red Hood and the close classic, like, bowl suit and cape. And they pull the helmet off and we see on their side, underneath is a dude who's been Jokerized. He's got a little pencil line mustache. So it's not the Joker, it's a, a victim of the Joker. And uh, Gordon's there and uh, he's got the PD with him and they're like, well, there's a whole bunch more bodies and we don't think of this. And these guys were connected to the Ace Chemical Factory. And he asks Batman, what do you think of what's going on here? And Batman's like, well, clearly he was here to steal chemicals. And we go through three different victims that turn out to be security guards and dudes that work there. And then we find out there's a fourth one. And the fourth one, he is still alive. And all of them are dressed the same way. They have the tuxedo with the red cape and they have red hood helmets on. And so Batman um, tells Jim that they need to get him to the hospital to try to get him fixed or whatever. And Gordon's like, all right, well... I mean, I guess we'll see you later. And, and he's like, we need to try to track the stolen truck. And we wind up finding out that he's talking to Barbara also. We see Barbara's there, and she's looking inside where the that was. And she's she's talking, I think, to her Batman or to herself. I'm not really sure who she's supposed to be talking to right there. She's like, this is where he fell. This is where it all happened. This is where it got created. And you see she's looking over the ledge into one of the vats. And clearly these guys that he killed, he used the, whatever the new version of the Joker chemical on to change them. Like they were the test for it. And then we pull back and we see Batgirl jump down and she talks to Commissioner Gordon and to Bullock for a second and then she goes with the Batman and they make a decision that one of them is going to follow, that they're going to follow the ambulance to the hospital because they need to figure out what this guy knows if they can. And so they load the dude up on a gurney, slide him into the van and close the doors and off it takes. And uh, Barbara jumps on her motorcycle and she has some more words with her dad. And like you just pointed out to me a second earlier, that there's a mono, like a, a voice box in his head where he's like, you don't have to do this, Barbara. Which is... Like Gordon totally knows that yeah, she's Yeah, totally knows she's Batgirl. And as they're driving, Batman in the Batmobile in front of the ambulance and her on the side of it, the two of them are talking and he's like, does, does your dad know? And she's like, oh no, he has no idea. So clearly she still believes that he doesn't know that she is, but we know. She's clueless to the fact that, like, he's... I mean, you can't be Commissioner Gordon and be basically friends with Batman all these years and not be intelligent. Right. Like, oh, no. Yeah, the dude's a detective like, first. There, it's, there's, it's, there's been other stories during New, even during New 52. Right. Where, like, there's a point whenever her... Well, so when her brother last thought dead after falling off the end of the pier, Gordon actually drew down on her for a minute, and she's like, tells him that she'll take off her mask and see who she is, and he basically just closes his eyes and tells her he doesn't... If he wanted to know, he would know, and he lets it go. 
But yeah, clearly. But he it's does. like she's running around with like red hair, flowing right. in the wind, and like boots. Like, come on, man. Right. Yeah, just like Clark Kent's glasses, man. Yeah. Mm. Anyway, um, so as the two of them are telling the the uh, ambulance, we join inside the ambulance. We see the dude who lived through the Joker's nonsense. He's in there just like freaking out and sort of talking to himself. And all of a sudden, the dude in the ambulance just grabs him by the throat and starts choking him. And he's like, what are you doing? Because he's choking. And we turn around to see that it's Red Hood inside the ambulance. Full on like wearing an ambulance attendant's outfit. But with his helmet. And he slams the dude against the wall and he starts whooping on him. Where's the Joker? We're like shaking him down. And the driver freaks out and looks back. Like, what are you doing back there? And so he swerves all over the road all crazy. And Batgirl's like, or Batman's like, what's going on in there? And Barbara's like, I have no idea. And he's like, I'm going inside. And so Batman jumps up on the roof, puts the car in auto drive. And basically enters the uh, ambulance from the back, and he sees his Jason. He's like, "What are you doing here? You gotta quit doing that. You're you're attacking the victim." And he's like, "We gotta get information. We have to know what he, what he found out before he dies." And so that leads to Batman and Jason fighting, as a as a thing. Like Barbara's basically outside, and she does something to the wheel. It's it's kind of weird because we have a gadget pop out of the side of her bike, and she uses the gadget to sort of tear up the tire. And, like, that part I don't feel is real clear, but that's what's happening. Anyway, we cut straight from there to a, a, a vacant road with a raccoon walking on it. <laughs> so, like, a parallel shift in the world. And uh, as the raccoon's walking, of course, you know, he becomes alerted to a semi-truck coming down the road. And he full-on, like, stops and looks at the lights and then continues the walk. And we see the truck turn... Did I say cement truck? Semi-truck. Semi-truck, that's right. It's a semi, not a cement truck. No. Mentally. Or I thought you said semi-truck. I think maybe I did. It's a semi. Like it's semicolon? Like a whole, like a hauling truck. It's spelled the same way. Like semicolon or sure. semi-truck? Mentally, for a minute there, I thought I said something different than what I actually meant. I'm crazy. Anyway, um, and we see the, the truck turn to chase the raccoon. <laughs> to run it down. It's, yeah, it's crazy. Anyhow, so we wind up seeing this is the the chemical truck from the East Cam- Chemical Company, and it's pulling a cable behind it, spitting juice out everywhere, and it turns up and into this tree line, into the back of this foresty type area, and it drives for a while, and eventually comes to a stop, and whoever's driving gets out, and we see that it looks very much like a Joker suit and cane, and the person's talking to himself, and is like, oh, what a life, like it had, like he had a long day at work, and kind of chuckling to himself, and he walks up to this door at this cabin in the woods, knocks on it, and uh, we see the door open, and we see the person knocking is the Joker, wearing like a trucker hat, and we see the person that opened the door is also the Joker, wearing a Killing Joke Hawaiian t-shirt and flat rim hat. And the Joker at the door says, ah, you need to take that off, you're wearing my shirt. He's like, oh, this is your shirt? Now he's taking credits for things he didn't do. And uh, the two of them just laugh, cackling style. From there, we cut back to Batman, who's in the process of uh, administrating some of the uh, antidote to the uh, victim of the Joker. And they've, they've got him out on the gurney, and the uh, ambulance driver is helping him. And Barbara's over there shaking down the red hood about what he's been doing and how, how can you attack the victim and just, like, going after Jason about it. And... Uh, the three of them are talking to each other, trying to decide, like, how can this all be right? Because all of them have been chasing different, well, all of them have been chasing the Joker, 
Jason hasn't been working with the group because Jason doesn't play well with others. But Barbara and Bruce have been tracking the same Joker, and clearly the Joker that stole the chemicals can't be the one responsible for the murders at the club that, the, that we saw in the news earlier because it happened at the same time. So there's three different events because we also have an escape from prison along with the chemical truck stolen along with the murder at the club. So all three of these things happen the same night. And the, the murder at the club that was talked about earlier on the TV is a crime family that was put down by the Joker, supposedly. And they, they both tell Jason, well, if you just worked with us, like this would be a lot easier. If we shared information, you would have told us what you had found. Maybe we would have caught the Joker by now. And we cut from there to the Joker, sitting in a chair, and, uh, He's talking to two other bodies that are also the Joker. And he's telling them, so what do we, what do we, what, what do we do? What are we going to do? We do what we always do. We, we make a better joke. And, uh, this Joker's wearing like a trench coat and the, uh, I don't know, the more business suit looking kind of outfit. Less of the pinstripe like the, uh, TV series and not the Hawaiian shirt, but a third costume. And the two of them are talking about what they're going to do. And he tells, he tells one of them that the, well, you're going to wind up taking care of the factory, and uh, you're going to handle the casting calls. And he's like, well, that's what I want to do. I'm much better at that kind of thing. And so they decide to flip a coin over it. And, of course, they both call heads. And then he gives them the, the directions they're going to do anyway. He tells one that he's going to go take care of the uh, casting, whatever that means. And the other one's going to go take care of the uh, the factory plant. And uh, that's their jobs. And uh, off they go. And they all respond, I don't know, they all, re- they all talk like the Joker, they all act like the Joker, they all seem to be the Joker. And like when they when he flips the coin and tells them to guess which side, they both say heads exactly the same time. Which is weird, it's like a, the coin thing is a very two-faced thing. Uh, I would agree. <clears throat> very odd. Right? So, uh, in the process of the shakedown with the criminal, the, with the uh, victim, we wanted finding out that something was being taken to the uh, Gotham Aquarium, which has been shut down for a minute because of some problems with some of the vats. For a couple, the, of, year, for a couple of years. Right. So it's, the building itself is not, I mean, it's vacant, but it still has all of its water and equipment inside of it. So they all decide they're going to go investigate that because that clearly must be where the Joker took the chemicals because it's the only place that has enough storage capacity for whatever he's doing to make this new version of his chemical. So it's all three of them, Jason, Barbara, and Bruce, and they're all sneaking around the uh, aquarium Eventually, Batman decides to turn on his headlight, so it's the suit with the headlamp um, Batman logo, and Jason's like, oh, come on, man, if they didn't know we're here already, like they're going to see that light. And uh, Batman says something to, to the effect of uh, that if, if they were looking for him, they would have found him already, or something like that. And they assume that no one's here, but to be careful anyway. And so as we're walking around, we went walking past one of the giant aquarium displays, and it's got a bunch of little fish inside of it. And we get a close-up, and we see the fish have all been jokerized. And he looks at Barbara and and, and uh, Jason, and he tells them, well, now we know where he's stolen the chemical, because all these fish have been changed because of the chemical. So you got the shark. Then we see in the background, one of the fish is very, very, very big. Well. And it turns out to be a shark in the aquarium, which makes sense. Got a bunch of joker piranhas, but then you get... The joker shark. Joker shark. Which I'm going to say is the first, because I don't remember there being a joker shark before. The first appearance of the joker shark. Get your speculation books out. (laughs) (laughs) 
anyways, the, the three of them talk Chase about book, right? First Joker shark. So three of them talk about that for a second, and, he, and then Red Hood makes makes Batman aware that from his from his helmet, he's been notified that some security doors are opening, and a whole bunch of them open at the same time. And Batman's like, "Oh, well, I guess I should probably get ready for." Here we go. Here we go. Welcoming party. And we turn around to reveal that all these dudes just walk into the room, and it's a whole bunch of the like classic classic Joker henchmen, dudes in uh, I don't know bowler ca- well, not bowler caps. What kind of hat would you call that? It's like a golf hat, but not a golf hat. Anyway, the, wearing the hats with the uh, like black full arm sweaters, and they have little name tags, and the name tags are Pal, Biff, Crack. I'm making fun of the Batman sixty six classic stuff. Joker sixty six stuff. And they are joined by another fellow that I'm going to say that no one's seen in books for twenty years, maybe, maybe more. Um, who's a, a a little person called the Court Jester, and. The court jester is, is Gaggy, G-A-G-G-Y, and he's the original Joker henchman from back in the early, early books, the original Batman books. And, uh, of course, he's the leader of this group of, uh, thugs. And so they all basically take off after Batman, shooting at him and fighting Jason and Barbara, and it turns into a full-on brawl. And, you know, everyone's doing pretty, as far as fighting's concerned, most of them are doing pretty good. I mean, Barbara holds her own. Jason, of course, holds his own. Batman holds his own. Eventually, we get uh, Gaggy gets up on top of Jason, gets lucky enough to get close enough with the stunner. She tells him, "Ah, I'm gonna, st- I'm gonna put you down, Jason. You're, he, the Joker told me you love this. You, we'd heal your squill." And he goes to taser him, and Jason shoots at him in the process of shooting at him. Of course, he he misses him, but only barely. And um, I'm not really sure he was missing, actually, because what he did is he shot out the glass where the shark was. So uh, we get a real good close-up of Gaggy realizing that the glass behind him is breaking, and uh, from there, that takes care of Jag- Gaggy because he becomes shark food. Full-on, like, shark out of the glass, like, 3D per- 3D style to eat. Um, to eat and kill Gaggy. So uh, at this point... All the thugs have been dispatched. Gaggy's been fed to the shark. And uh, Barbara and Jason and Batman are all there covering their mouths because of the release of the chemical. So all the fish are just flopping around because they're fish out of water or chemical. And then we get a reveal that the, the Joker is there. He's got a giant fishbowl with a few of the piranhas in it. And, he, of course, he throws it at uh, Batman trying to get the piranhas to eat him or whatever. And uh, smashes the bowl on Jason's head. Of course... Jason's got his mask on, so it doesn't really do a lot, lot. And at least the three of them fighting, fighting the Joker. Well, eventually Batman knocks him out and uh, looks at the mess of the room with the giant smiling shark. And the three of them are trying to decide what to do. And Jason walks up and just full on, like, starts rib kicking the Joker, like, gangster style. So, um, just, a, just a quick back. Gaggy originally appeared in um, Batman number 186, November 1966. So, um, so 66 was his first appearance. So um, he was a member of the circus. He was a tight wire act. And until the circus that he worked for hired the Flying Graysons and forced him to become a side sideshow clown, and it was, pissed him off. And then as he was a clown... He was made fun of, so he killed a bunch of people, which caught the attention of the Joker, and the Joker thought he was funny, because he, like, 
Gaggy thought it was funny to kill people, so they became friends, and that's kind of how that happened. Um, he he re- reappears in uh, Batman 682, and then back in 686, um, also in Gotham City Sirens, he makes appearances. So he's been made made more more relatively more recent appearances. But, I had an idea, yeah. But like Harley Quinn replaced him, and I think that that kind of pushed him to the side and like made him irritated. So there might be eventually that might be an actual thing that comes about in the comics too, where like they have to fight over Joker's affection of some sort. I don't know. Yeah, I feel like it's it's gone far enough now. We probably won't see him again with the whole shark thing. But at the same time. That's more appearances than I thought he had. I didn't even realize the Birds of Prey thing happened. Yeah, you're right. I mean, this is this is like the the DC Black, so I, I don't know. Yeah, it, pieces line up pretty good. For if it's if it's not continuity, then it's weird. And I think the Black moniker, like I said earlier, I think the only reason is that is that we can have some of the language is a little harder than most Batman books, especially from Jason. Right. It's, so it's, it's a lot more like. Um, Angry and violent and oh yeah, it's a lot more intense. It's a lot more adulty, not like like the X is adulty, but yeah, like yeah, adulty. Well, black black uh, label. That's what's for. Has yeah. in the past had that's true. And Batman's there was so there's some some damned in there, which is you know a different thing. Uh, anyhow, so after they uh, have dealt with the Joker, for the most part, Jason kicks him around a little bit, and then Batman gets a call on his helmet from Commissioner Gordon. And Gordon informs Batman they have the Joker currently at 17th and Broadway, and they need someone to come help them. And Batman's like, huh, okay. And Gordon's like, I guess we must have number two, because by now, Batman's already surmised there's multiple Jokers doing multiple things, which we went over a little bit. I mean, we, we, I briefly went past it, but when they were talking before they split up to go their different directions with Barbara and him following the ambulance, they'd already decided there must be two people playing as the Joker. One that's the real Joker and one that is not the Joker. So they already decided that. Um, there must be an imposter. Otherwise, how can he be in multiple places at the same time? Which makes sense. So B- Batman tells Barbara to watch Jason. He's going to go collect the other Joker. And uh, he wants the two of them to sit on this one and keep Jason from hurting him. And he says, make sure you search him. You know, he's the Joker. And so they... Batman, Batman's away, and that leaves... Jason and Barbara with this Joker. And uh, as the two of them are talking, we wind up seeing the Joker drop a batch of razor cards out of his sleeve. Of course, which he, you know, is apt to use. Um, and while they're doing that, Jason starts questioning the Joker. And the Joker, of course, you know, answers it back in jovial, funny ways. And then eventually Jason says something about um, his, his razor cards and making sure he doesn't have any. He's like, oh, are my poison flowers? Which is also another old gag, and about that time, the Joker manages to spray at Jason with one of the, uh... Barbara pulls him out of the way. Right, Barbara pulls him out of the way from getting hit by the acid. And the Joker just laughs, and we see a card, a pile of cards on the floor, and, uh, at that point, they both sort of shake him down to empty out any other tricks. And, uh, while they're talking, he, uh, starts talking to Jason, and this is where things get super crazy in this book. Red Hood's got his gun pulled out, and he's, uh... Trying to make the decision whether to shoot the Joker or not, and the Joker just keeps agging him on. Talking about beating him to death. Yeah, he's keeping, talk- keeping him barely alive because he's like, oh, you think that you crawled out of that shallow grave because uh, you because you just had the will to live? And you don't think I did this because I wanted to break the Batman? He's like, it's not about any of you guys. Yeah, I don't care about you guys at all. It's about the bat. He's like, I wanted to break the bat. I wanted him to know that like, he was vulnerable. Right. 
And then he leads to a batch of dialogue that's like the, the craziest batch of dialogue. And he's like, you remember what you said to me last? What you said to me last when I was beating you to death? About how if I just stopped, you'd be my Robin? And that's what breaks Jason. And he full-on, like, shoots the Joker. Well, Barbara throws her battering at him to try to stop him. And it does make him move. But it kind of makes him shoot. still shoots, Yeah. Yeah, so it makes it seem like that, like, it's more Barbara's fault than his. Like, he didn't, they, it wasn't meant to happen. But then after the fact, he's like, ah, whatever, man. Like, this should have happened a long time ago. Right. Well, they argue about it for a second afterwards. And he's like, how often do you miss, miss with batarangs? Yeah, like, how often do you miss? And then she's just like, shut up. And then walks right. away. It's almost like they're both were okay with it. But yeah, he's got the gun pointed at him to shoot him. And yeah, she throws a battering to stop him. But effectively, she misses. And maybe it causes a shooting. Maybe it doesn't. Because you could read it either way. Right. But either direction at the end of it, the Joker winds up with a bullet in his head. That and, Joker. Uh, well, yeah, this Joker. Um, he, afterwards, when they argue, he, Barbara, when she walks off, she goes and collects her battery and leaves, walking through the blood. And, of course, she's like, there's tears streaming out of her eyes because it's not what Batman would want. This is not how we do things. And Jason's just like, hmm, I hope that was the right one. And that's like the last scene is him looking down at the body, hoping that's the right Joker. That he shot. And that's where things kind of close. It is crazy. This has been leading up for how many years? Well, the, uh, like five. Like the initial, initial reveal there's three Jokers from the Mobius chair was back in the New 52 run, somewhere between issue, I think it's issue 49. Because the joke, the Dark Side War starts in number 42. I feel like it runs all the way to 50. So it's either 50 or 49. One of those two books is a book that says there's three Jokers. I think it's 49, but I mean, I could be wrong about that. Which is cool. They're finally paying this off. You know, it could have been one of those things that like at the time the writer was like, it's cool. Let's do, do this thing that we're maybe there's three Jokers, not just one. Cause he's so crazy. Like what? Maybe it's like a thing or, you know, and then like they're like, eh. Well, they teased it a couple times as, as something was coming up in stories. And I think that they, because this was the, the the Justice League of the time was being written by Jeff Johns, also same guy that wrote this, same guy that wrote Doomsday Clock, and I think that at the time Johns was trying to get everything to this rebirth point to move past New Fifty Two, and I have a feeling that probably the moniker of this was to lead to the next big whatever, and then either he got dropped into doing other things and we just never got back to it, because he also took over doing a bunch of the studio stuff because he was involved in the right. Marvel movies and. Aquaman movies, and so like his job went from being a dude that's writing comic books. But then, but then he get all like, and see, like I guess I'm a little behind on stuff, like and confused and stuff too. Because then you get like all the metal stuff. Because like you get the bat who laughs, and then all that nonsense. Totally, totally separate. Yeah, but, but is it separate though? Because it's all the same timeline wise. I don't know when this is supposed to be happening. Because well, it's not happening in modern time, and even the bat who laughs, like all that stuff is happening in regular continuity. But it's not connected the same way. So it's one of the really good things about New 52, even though they had missteps and mistreated characters, is that New 52 stories ran consecutively. So what was happening in Superman was affected by Justice League. What happened in Justice League affected Action Comics. Well, not the first half of Action, but the second half. What happened in Batman affected Detective. Not like Part 1, Part 2, but if you had a big event happening in one book, there was residuals from it in other books. So everything was happening congruently. Uh, which plays off really, really well, actually, in the Court of Owls, when we get to the issue 13, all the Bat books are happening on the same night. 
So, of things that happen in the Batman concurrently. book. Concurrently, yes. Um, things happening in the Batman book set off things that happen in all the other books for that particular event. And as most New 52 read forward, and granted, like I said, Action Comics, the first probably, I don't know, got 20 issues or something, was set in a different time frame. It was supposed to be Superman before he was Superman, so it didn't necessarily connect the same way everything else did. But all the rest of them played across the board at the same time. So that's a pretty big accomplishment considering how like books are crazy. Uh, but with what's happening with metal and death metal, especially death metal, because death metal is currently coming out, but it, it doesn't affect any of the books around it. Uh, it is going to tie in with, with Justice League here, I want to say, in, in the next Justice League issue, so 51, I think. But even that, I don't feel like it's happening congruently t- or consecutively. Concurrently. Concurrently. With what's happening in the rest of the stories. So, like, where this takes place nebulously in the world, I mean, I don't know, man. This could be far before the, the bat who laughs. I mean, we have seen the Joker since then, and we're currently doing Joker War in regular Batman. So... This could run into that, I guess, but because it's under Black Label, I'm going to say where it fits is just nebulous until we get to the end. Um, because Joker War happening over in regular Batman doesn't seem to connect to this in any way at all. So this very well may just be an anomaly, and that's why it's Black Label. So think of like Elseworlds, I guess, maybe. I believe it happens congru- or consecutively with regular continuity. Concurrently. Concurrently. What word do we keep saying? You say can. I don't know. You're saying congruently, and then you're saying can. I don't think that's a word. It's a word. I think Uh, it doesn't matter. Anyway, as far as timelines concerned, so consecutive means just having one after the other after the other. Concurrently means they're all happening simultaneously at the same time. Yeah, I don't think this is happening at the same time as everything else in the Joker War. I believe the stories exist separate from each other. So this thing may very well just be Elseworlds and fit, sort of. But till we get to the end of it... But it'd be... So the Joker War thing is going... Doesn't connect to this? No. Not at all. Are you sure? 100%. Are you sure it's not going to connect eventually? At the end of it, I guess it could. But everything that's happened in this book doesn't reflect anything that's happened in the other books. So it is very possible we get to the end of this and it connects to that. But we're not far enough along to see that yet. Yeah, I don't know. Because all the stuff with Punchline and all this stuff happening in the uh, in the regular Batman and sort of tying in with the detective books does not appear to have anything to do with this. I mean, but maybe it's a fourth Joker. Joker wearing a pinstripe suit. But as far as what's happening with Batman, if they're supposed to line up, they've done a really poor job of that because nothing reflects this story whatsoever. Well, the Bat Who Laughs is also obviously created when, like, Batman, he decides to kill Joker, apparently. So, another universe. I know. But, like, he decides to kill him, and then, like, something Mm -hmm. sprays him in the face, and he becomes Joker, basically. Pretty much, yeah. That's Yeah. So, it's just like... It's a Batman that is the Joker because of the poison, if we can believe that. Because I beg the question that maybe, maybe that's not totally true. But, from what we've been given... We believe that it's a Batman that went across the line, killed the Joker. When they killed the Joker, the Joker's heart exploded. The exploded heart chemically doused Batman and thus turned him into the Joker. And then he ravages across realities and times, just, you know, tearing things up. Gently the one style. So, yeah. it's uh, It's been crazy, but that particular batch of stuff 
does not connect to this, best I can tell you, at all. And of course, the Mobius chair thing, that was before any of this happened. So, as a thing, the battle lap didn't exist yet. So best I can tell you, they don't connect. As far as the score, I mean, I don't know, it's pretty good, but I, I'm a slave to Batman, so... Um, I mean, I give it a four for the first issue. Yeah, some of it's flashbacky and pacing is a little... As far as the story is concerned, if you're not like a constant Batman reader, I think it's paced well. Yeah. So say you're someone that's never read The Killing Joke, but you know that, oh, something happened with, with Barbara. Okay. Or not Killing Joke, sorry. Oh, yeah, Killing Joke. Killing Joke, yeah. And you're aware Jason Todd died, but, eh, you know, if, you, if you're not someone that's been paying attention to all that, like, the catch-up pieces of the beginning make sense. And they're to line out how these characters were affected by the Joker, how they fit into the Joker's chaos. The idea that we're dealing with multiple versions of the Joker kind of also makes sense, too, considering his motivation is so skewed from time to time to time. I mean, sometimes he's a, a bank robin thief, and sometimes he's a blood-for-the-sake-of-blood-murder type, and other times he's just making a bad joke. So, like, could they all be the same dude? I would have said yes up till now. Now I don't know. It just depends. I mean, it... it huh. Okay, it 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 has always depended on who was written in. Like that's true. You got the Joker who's like face gets cut off, and then who has the Joker face, and who's the Joker, and he's like, oh no, he gets his face back, and it's just like he's. Oh yeah, it's just so many different things that the Joker can be. You know, like ultimately, he's Batman's anti. Yeah, he's anti Batman, one hundred percent. I think ultimately, if the Batman was afraid of anything, I think he's af- he's not necessarily afraid of the Joker. He's afraid of what he wants to do to the Joker. Sure. Of anything in that there is. Like, I don't think that he... I think he's so calculated and knows so many far steps ahead. Like, Batman is so intelligent because the Batman doesn't lose. Right. At his whole point. Like, whether he's part of the Justice League. You know, and honestly, like, I mean, really, like, you didn't really get to start... To me... I mean, I might be wrong, but when, when they really, 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 really started writing Batman as, like, the calculated genius that he is, that, like, he's the one that's like, you don't mess with that, is when the White Martians underestimated him in the first, the beginning of Grant Morrison's JLA books. Like, way back hmm. in, like, 2002, I think it was. Like, he was always, like, calculated and great, but, like, you know, like, you put him in Justice League international with like guy Gardner and he's like he's Batman he's like yeah he's Batman he's like cool and he's smart and he knows things he's in charge because he's Batman yeah but it's just like and then you put him in a situation where like the white Martians come down and they take out the entire Justice League and they just kind of forget about Batman because oh he's just a human they don't care and he's just like you guys are idiots and he takes the entire group down they're like what is going on they're like you underestimated the the, the most powerful member of the Justice League because he's so intelligent and he's so calculated right i think grant morrison as much as like you have a lo- i know you do you have a love-hate relationship with him sure he really brought batman to the forefront as like oh yeah as brilliant writer wise he did a lot of cool things with batman and i don't hate batman inc of, of all the books right some people definitely do i don't i don't hate that series either one of them before new 52 or after new 52 and it's one of the only books that kept a moniker and kind of kept moving forward but at his Batman rip, oh yeah, I hate it. Mm, don't like that at all. But as far as writing's concerned, I mean, he did a lot of, he wrote Batman for kind of a long time. And a lot of it's really good. So, yeah. But yeah, as far as this particular book goes, 
Did I ever give it a score? Did I say four? We haven't given a score, yeah. Okay, I'm going to say four. I give it a four, too. Like it was, it's a good book. Um, it's intense. In my mind, this is how black the black should be. Like, not, not just showing Dong just to show Dong. Kind sure. of like to be ridiculous. Like, it was like, it was dark and it had violence in it, but in the right way. Like, right. in like a way that you couldn't necessarily do in a regular book. This is kind of how I saw that, 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 that imprint would normally have gone, which is cool. It's kind of like what Vertigo was. Like, um, sure. it wasn't ridiculous just to be ridiculous. It was just like, it was, it was good. Um, it's a really fascinating story. I'm, cur- I'm curious to see where it goes. Cause like, I, I hope that it continues into normal continuity. Cause that'd be really cool. But I know they have a lot of other things going on. So right. it's just like, oh my gosh, where are you going to put this? Yeah. And that's the real question. Like, I mean, where Jeff, does it line up? Jeff Johns is a great writer. He really he is. is like, mm-hmm. you know, Jeff Johns really, you know, he really cemented himself as a brilliant writer. And I know, you, I know you'll say Green Lantern back as night and Green Lantern in general, but like, I'll go back as Flash. Like, he kind of made the Flash like amazing. Oh, yeah. Well, he wrote Flash and Green Lantern for a long time. Both. But, I mean, he wrote Flash for way longer than he even touched Green Lantern. Yeah. And, like, he created the rogues gallery for the Flash and made that thing, like, what it is. And, like, some amazing things that were set up back then that, like, he's just continued on. Like, he made, he made Wally West super awesome. cool. Yeah. Super cool. Like, well, all his Booster Gold stuff, too. Like, I, People overlook Booster Gold. Just he did too good a job selling what Booster Gold is. And that's right. what made people like. Unfortunately, it made people react badly to him. But as a thing, he still wrote in brilliant. Right, but he, I mean, this thing starting way back in the day, like Flash was kind of like at the time he like you know every, no everybody was still in the Barry Allen kick, and then like Barry Allen had died in Crisis, and then like Wally West began Flash, and everybody's just like okay, whatever, whatever, whatever. And he was just kind of mediocre, and he really just established Wally West as a brilliant Flash. And he established the Rogues Gallery in like the second Zoom, and you know, like like the Rogues Gallery having like never like the the rules that they live by, and like never kill a speedster, and like this all those things. Like he established all that stuff, and people don't realize that Jeff. That's all Jeff Johns. He's been writing comics for a while. I know, time. but like I mean, he just because he's so big now, right? The like he start it was it was it, I mean stuff he did when before Flash he was wasn't huge yeah. like it was kind of like he create he made Flash big he made Flash awesome you know and then and then that's why they put him on the Green Lantern stuff and he one of the biggest things that they've been like leading to for decades is the Blackest Night like he he orchestrated that entire thing and made a really cool thing so I mean this Three Jokers thing like if it's something he's that's been building for a long time and hints at it and he can do something really neat with it I'm excited for it I mean. Just this alone is really cool. If it, you know, it's a mini series. What do you say? Three issue. Three issue. Yeah. You know, and if it's something that leads into something else, or if it's just a simple story, what whatever it is, it's neat because it's like it's three people. I mean, Batman's always been affected by the Joker, obviously, right. but like Jason Todd had his skull smashed in with a crowbar by by the Joker. And he was blown up. Yep. You know, and then like, and Barbara Gordon was shot and paralyzed and potentially raped. Yeah. By the Joker. Like, and they don't, it's dark, it's dark stuff, man. Like, and it's like the Joker, like people like, oh, the Joker's cool. He's hip. No, man. Like he's psychopath. He's terrible. Yeah. And it's like, yeah, you know, like it's, it's hip to be like, no, man, he's terrible. And that's the point. Like they put like a, a humanity to what the Joker is when like with the Barbara stuff and the, and the Jason Todd stuff, like. You know, like with the with with Bruce and him, like it's kind of like it's whatever. You know, it's like it's just this. He's like, he's he's an insane. I I can't. I don't I don't want to put anybody that I love and care about 
in harm's way. So that's why I only deal with the Joker. Right. But like the other two have been directly affected by that. And oh, it's yeah. just like, man. Well, and like what he says in there, it was never about you guys. I don't care about you at all. It's about, just like what the Joker said, it's about Batman. Right. I don't care about you, Jason Todd. You are my Robin. Look at you wearing my costume. It's, it's so, kind of brilliant the way it's written. It's really know, awesome. And, and Jason Todd's like, yeah, he's, I mean, I get why Jason does it. He's like, oh, sure. I mean, you know, the, the reasoning for his, the reason why Jason chose that, but to be able to try to, like, make him mess with him headwise, I mean, that's all it is. I mean, think, okay, Luke Skywalker. Oh, yeah, for v- sure. Vader tells you that he's your dad. And whether you believe him or not, it's going to haunt you regardless. You know what I mean? So this is the same thing. Like, Jason took the moniker to put light to the name the and basically mocked the Joker by doing the opposite of what the Joker is. He took it to mess with him. But then the Joker turns that on him like, oh, yeah, you are my Robin. Look at the way you wear. It's like a total reversal of the whole reasoning that Jason has. And, like, messing with his head? Yeah, it's awesome. It's insane. We'll see where it goes. I mean, it's a cool book. Yeah. As far as as far as this is an issue in general, yeah, it was, it was a good issue. Whether it'll connect regular continuity, man, I don't know. Like I, I don't, I don't know. I guess we'll see. By issue three, we should have some answer to that. I guess. <laughs> Hopefully, I mean, God, if it doesn't, then it's gonna be really weird. Because it starts in continuity in Justice League, and if it doesn't connect back at all ever, that would be, just be weird. But yeah, I don't know, five years to wait. First issue is pretty good. Um, did you actually give this score? I think I used it for also. Okay. Um, all right. So let's see. What'd you learn today, Josh? Um, learned that sharks love the taste of midget flesh. (laughs) That is totally true. (laughs) Because he went straight for that. Oh yeah. There was no question. He's like, he's like looking around and that shark was like, oh, it's a tasty morsel. Right. (laughs) Uh, what I learned today, Josh. You know, you learn that they're called little people. And just because <laughs> sharks eat them doesn't mean that they need to be talked down to. <laughs> oh, man. <laughs> Not about their stature, right? Exactly. Oh, man. Wow. That's a good lesson to learn for everyone. For everyone. <laughs> uh, all right, man. Uh, do you have any books to watch? I was just looking at that. Um, see, I'm not sure because I heard rumor they were canceling Young Justice. Is that true? They are. I thought we talked about that in the last episode, actually, yeah. Young Guys is ending, Teen Titans is ending. Um, so a bunch of stuff's ending, because I like that book a lot, but yeah. those characters aren't necessarily going away, so I'm curious to see where that goes. Oh, no, yeah, I don't, I'm not sure, it's hard to say if it's a natural progression or if it's a, so mentally I don't, because we were supposed to be moving to what they were calling 5G, and that's not happening now, best yeah, we can understand. Yeah, it's just like a bunch of young people taking over like the major roles, Yeah, which is it's stupid, like an but, age yeah. jump up thing, and so that would have affected the Titans directly because of their age, or the even Young Justice, both. Titans, Young Justice, and Teen Titans would have all been affected directly by that. Right. So I don't know if it was just a a backpedal scenario, or if they don't didn't have a plan past that, or if it's... I'm not sure. I, I could easily see them take, because what's happening in Teen Titans, I could easily see them take and merge the two together. But I don't know if that's if that's plausible or if that's because we haven't seen a solicit that tells us that there should be a new batch of solicits out. Um, uh, probably another month because uh, they're saying that book series is going to end. I think November was the last issue, 
and I think Titans is the same also. So we got a handful of books ending in October, and then a whole bunch of other ones ending in November. So what that's going to look like afterwards, uh, we probably won't know the next month, I guess, at least solicit-wise. But yeah, uh, at this point, Young Justice is only going to have one, another, the last issue comes out in November. It's still good. You should still read it, because it's awesome. Right. I mean, the Green Lantern, um, season two, or whatever they're calling it, like, I love, I love what Grant, Grant's doing with the Green Lantern stuff. It's awesome. Um, I'm curious to see where this symbiote thing goes with the Avengers. Sure. That can be really cool. Like, I, the Avengers have been really neat. Like, you know, when McGinnis was drawing, like, or he, he intermittent, like, he, he takes a little break here and there, but I think he's still pretty much full on. He's like, still connected to the story. Like, he's coming back for the next story arc, which is going to have to do with the yeah. Phoenix Force again. Yeah, he takes, like, small, like, breaks, but, like, he keeps coming back. And when he does it, he does a fantastic job. Like, sure, art wise, yeah. Yeah, I mean, it's still Jason Aaron writing the Avengers, so, right, I mean. But, but, but just, like, McGinnis' art, like, just, they, the, the two go together. Like, Avengers to him, like, they go to the, yeah, yeah, it's just really it's, well. It's fantastic. It's neat. So, for sure. And then that Snake Eyes book, that's uh, it's it was supposed to line up with the movie, but the movie's getting delayed. But like, there's a million like issue different covers and like different artists and different this. There's but, like, a bunch of different store covers. Yeah, yeah. But like that, I I've heard amazing things about that book. So, and you know, we've talked about it a little bit, but like. The new six inch line. Oh, the figures. Yeah, I mean, because it all kind of all kind of plays into each other. It's like the you know GI Joe, the 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 comics, the you know like the figures, the movie, everything. Like it just it's really disappointing that like there's a bunch of people out there just like buying whole boxes of things and just like they don't even care about like what the what the character is and what it does is what that what that honestly does like you know between you and me we've had this conversation before is like it kills toy lines. Oh yeah, as because far as scalpers, sure. Well, I mean, because it just doesn't give the, the the line room to grow, and so it's a bummer, right? It's just disappointing because it's like, I mean, you and me have looked for try, are trying to look for one beachhead figure. We don't want a case of them. We don't want a case of eight. Sure. sure. Somebody bought it in Grant, where we're from. Somebody bought an entire case of eight beachhead figures, and just to sell online. And it's disappointing because it's just like you and me just want one. Right. Because we're collectors and we love G.I. Joe. And it's just like, that's just, the, that's, that's, that's where toy lines go to die is because like people can't grow in the line because they have to pay aftermarket prices. And that's, that's what I think that like, as we talk in action figure deconstruction is like all these independent toy lines are like really cool. They don't like, there's no, like there are exclusives, but like they make plenty of them and they like make sure everybody gets one. And it's like, they want everybody to enjoy the line, enjoy the figures, and like, and it's just like they're super successful, and it's just like that's they're the model. Like Boss Fight Studios is the model for toys. Like they're doing great things. You know what I mean? Like the Elvin figure that was Megalopolis exclusive. Like sure, they had a pre order forever, and like they just you know, and then they they sold out, and then they got a few more like because more people wanted the demand was up there. You know, people just want the figure, which is awesome, and it still holds its value. Like after the fact, you know, like it's still going for ten twenty dollars more online than it. Originally bought for. Sure. You know, this is neat. And so it's just like, it's just one of those things, like, at the end of it, we'll talk more about action figures, but I just, I know. Sure. Joe, I think the G.I. Joe thing is like, cool, because like, I love G.I. Joe, comics, movies, figures, whatever it is, I, I'm into whatever they do, and I think the, the Snake Eyes book I heard is incredible. I haven't read it yet, but I heard it's incredible, so. Um, as far as books to watch, uh, they're getting ready to have a book series called Crossover come out over at Image. Uh, it's being written by Donna Cates, the same guy who did our Venom book this evening. Currently writing, uh, 
a Thor, and the Thor is just so popular. My gosh, I mean, we're on the fifth printing of issue, no, fourth printing of issue five is getting ready to happen. Fifth printing of issue two is just so popular, and it's been really good. I mean, it's been fantastic. He, dude's a great writer. Um, but crossover is an image book, and it uh, sets up the idea of what if all the stuff that happened in the comic books is actually true. And this is a world where that's the case. Um, so it'll be interesting to see what it is or how it works. Uh, there's a couple of test pages in the new catalogs. Um, uh, artist on it is uh, Jeff Shaw or Joff Joff Jeff Shaw Joff J E O F Shaw. So Jeff Jeff, Jeff Shaw. Um, so pretty stoked for that. I think that's really cool. As far as uh, other series is, I'd say to pay attention to. Thor's been really great. Venom, of course, super popular. I'm, I'm super, super stoked when they finally actually release. We only find them when they're dead. Because that is awesome. If you didn't listen to the last episode, you should go back and listen to the last episode because we talked about that book. Good uh, book. Yeah, fantastic. Cool. So, yeah. I'd say those guys are all ones to watch for. I think by Boom, be, right? Uh, yes. Uh, we only find them when they're dead by Boom, written by Al Ewing. Um, so, dude writing Immortal Hulk. Awesome. Yeah, that's, that's what I give you as far as books to try to watch out for. I mean, at this point, if you can find First Prince of Thor stuff or even Second second Prince, because they're going crazy, man. So bizarre. It makes sense because they make less of them, but yeah, awesome. So as far as social medias, uh, you can find the podcast, of course, at topicconxpodcast.com, which also has links to all of our other shows, our buddy Scovillionaires, Hot Sauce Reviews, uh, Rob, who also is on the panel on the show occasionally. Uh, not so much lately, but, you know, in the past. Uh, also does Ant-Man uh, 2050 game reviews and gameplay. You can find him on Instagram, actually. He's been doing pewter figures, man, like painting a bunch of them. So if you look on Instagram, Ant-Man 2050, um, you'll find his... Or gaming Ant-Man 2050 is what Instagram is. Um, my Instagram is uh, Top5ComicsCBS for art stuff and pictures from conventions when they've happened. Uh, drawings and whatnot. Josh, you're at? I'm at Wendell24. It's W-I-N-D-L-E-24. Um, we also have um, action figure deconstruction on all social media platforms. That's CBS's and my love child that we like to take amazing figures and deconstruct them. We throw it on YouTube and we do some have some fun times and like uh, it's just a YouTube show. Yep. That's it. So there's no like, there's no like link to it or anything. So we use, it kind of started on this show. Like I would, I would talk about a new figure, but it's like, we were like, Hey, let's just do an actual video breakdown instead. And so we've done like, what, 20 episodes? I want to say we're 20 or 21. Yeah. So there's like 20 ish episodes of us doing some amazing figures, like some G.I. Joe, some Power Rangers, some Gremlins, some Star Wars, Star Wars, some like amazing, like, like some, uh, there's some acid rain figures on there too. Acid rain, boss fight oh, yeah. studio, like all all sorts of amazing things. So they're you know, we just we like to take things that we like. And that's the whole point of it. Yeah. Play with them. Oh, uh and there's an Ultimate Warrior one too. Well, an Ultimate yeah, Warrior. Like that. the it's like the Masters of the the Masters of the Multiverse or Masters, Masters of the WWE or yes, something like that. WWE like, universe. It's basically like a He Man version of Ultimate Warrior. Freaking awesome. Pretty cool. Um, but we, we've done quite a few, so they're, yeah. they're neat. Um, we, we have a bunch of new figures True. that we want to do. We just haven't got those episodes done yet. We've, you know, whatever. But again, when it comes to action figures, there's a lot of really cool, um, independent toy makers, 
Boss Fight Studios is a big one that I'm a big proponent for. Like they're a really, really cool company and they just got, um, the rights and put out pre-orders for some really cool figures. They got Zoro coming out. Yep. Which we talked about Zoro tonight in, uh, this Batman issue, this issue. I mean, supposedly, surprisingly, that sort um, of connects. But they're also doing the Phantom, um, the Tarzan and Flash, Flash Gordon, Gordon are their next line. Um, I think Flash the, has sweet pre-orders up right now. Yeah, well, all of them do. Uh, oh, now. do they? Oh, yeah, as of today, all all of them do. Nice. I do believe. So, um, it's really neat because like those are like Zorro, the Phantom. You know, they're all the really, classic like, heroes, and they're, and they're all like uh, multiple multiple characters, not just like the main characters. Like, so you got you got Tarzan and Jane, and then you have like the the evil queen person who's in the jungle like the oh gosh she'll be in that she'll be in she'll be part of the tarzan wave then you got the phantom and then like the female phantom lady i don't I can't think of her name well, she was the phantom also they're both the phantom yes what's but, her character name i do not remember but you have that. her and you have Man. her with her like mask on and her with her her hair out and you have him with his his horse and you got zoro and zoro with his horse and you have flash gordon you got um being the merciless you have um who's the the green Elf-looking guy for Flash oh, Gordon, like he's part of there. Looks um, like Carrie Always, but he's not Carrie Always. It's a different actor. Yeah. Um, anyway, shoot. yeah, yeah. They're, they're all they're all figures that are coming out, and so what? What's your neat? Because they they also do, they're all still doing the rate their original line, which is like the fan. They're a fantasy line. They're like elves and orcs and like uh all knights so, and knights and all sorts of cool stuff. Hydras, surprisingly. Yeah. Well, all sorts of insane things. Plus, they yeah. have the, the Mighty Steeds line, what they're, they're doing like bunch of different horses and unicorns and then they have an elk like they, they have all sorts of cool stuff so if, if you like action figures check out boss fight studios and they're kind of like just they're that flagship company that everybody's kind of taking their cue from right now like yeah they're doing a good they, job they really are doing some awesome stuff so like so if you like three and three quarters figures they're but they're there. but they also have uh the 112 scale line coming out the legend of uh Le, the legend of el luchador are they are they twelve inch scale? Yeah, the one the one twelve scale. So like they're oh. that so that's going to be that way too. So they're so they're also part of that. They're they're delving into both sides. That's cool. And then you got the Valorverse, which is the one twelve scale, um, and they're putting out the Sergeant Slaughter figure. Is it them doing it? Hang on. Are they doing the Sergeant Slaughter? Or there was a no oh, Valorverse. Is Valorverse a di- it's is a different company. Different company. But, but you, you do have the Valorverse. So, Somewhere in there, yeah. I missed a step. Yes. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, so I'm just saying that. Like, there's a lot of really cool companies doing a lot. Of, they're all independent companies, and they're doing right. a lot of cool things out there. So it's like, well, that Sergeant Slaughter looks like it's going to fit perfectly with the yeah, perfectly in line with it. Six and what which it actually does because they've also they've already started showing like their their. Accessories like their their weapons and hoods and heads and masks and things on GI Joe figures. That's cool. Yeah, so they've also they've already started being like this is this this is how seamlessly our stuff fits. Right, that's so yeah. So like you know, if you didn't get any of the Target exclusive or the Amazon exclusive or any of these exclusives and you wanted to start customizing, making your own figures, Valorverse is what they're called. Um, are doing like a really cool like. One to a scale line right. of original characters, but they, they fit very seamlessly into this GI Joe. I say some of the parts that are are the figure blanks that are exist. You could get very close to making a beachhead, actually. Beachhead, shockwave, firefly. Yeah. That's just that. So like, there's a bunch of cool figures coming out. So Heck yeah. Um. Anyway, it's it's exciting to be a collector right now. Unfortunately, there's some jerks out there who like are just buy, like, you know, you're never you're, you're never you're never gonna get rid of those people. But unfortunately, like. But if people listen to this podcast, you know we 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 stand together and like don't put up with that nonsense. You know we we can help we can make a difference. So, but again, 
action figure deconstruction. Check it out. Sure. But also, Chris, hey, I haven't got your stuff in the mail yet. I am going to get it. I was waiting for a couple things to happen. Also been super busy and out of town a bunch. So, Chris, in in, <laughs> in Liverpool, well, Liverpool-ish, I know you listened to the last episode because you messaged me, but hey, I'll give you another shout out. I am going to get that stuff in the mail. I promise you. I have the box. I have the this stuff. There's, I'm going to throw some other stuff in there too. CBS just ordered something cool too, so we're, I'm going to probably throw some an, another little neat thing in there for you. But, uh, so that is coming. But, um, yeah. <laughs> I mean, don't cross your fingers or hold your, don't hold your breath. You can cross your fingers if you no, want. No, it's, everything's ready. I just got, I got, I got, I guess got it shipped out. All right. I just have to mail a bottle of whiskey to the Silver King guys. So. Oh, cool. It's sitting on my kitchen table. I have like, I have to make them. Oh, and I sold that, that, uh, Zoidberg figure on, uh, oh, nice. On eBay today too. So Perfect. I have to like make a massive like mail run. <laughs> Even though they're like Donald Trump trying to shut down the mail, like or something, is that what's going on? No, they're they're one more funding to be able to make sure all the ballots work right, and one side of the group doesn't want to do mail in voting, so, and the other so, side does. So, so Donald Trump hates Kevin Costner. Is that is that the whole thing? I mean, he might hate that movie, but that movie's like five hours, and it only needs to be like two. Five hours are awesome, and Tom Petty. I, don't, I mean, Tom Petty is great in it. All right. But it's not. Take us out. <laughs> man, the postman is so. It's not my fault that Donald Trump oh hates gosh. Tom Petty. I don't think that's. I mean, that's I what we learned today, if anything. That's a terrible thing to learn. Ask me again. Ask me what you no learned today. Learn. No <laughs> learn that ever. Thanks for listening, guys. It's key. It's key. It's key. It's key.